Greetings. Um... <laughs> the way he was staring at me, poor. I was like, did he think I put cyanide in there or apples. something? How you like them apples? And on that note, greetings and welcome back to another round of controllers and couches. Controllers and couches, or as some would say, mechanical devices which allow you to interact with an electronic device and things you sit on. But it doesn't sound. Hello, everyone. Yes, and you were just listening to the sounds of tea, proudly brought to you by the kettle. Hypothetically, yes. Okay, welcome back to episode number 42. 42. Of Controllies and Cashies. And since it's our 42nd episode, we can now tell you that if you listen, you won't hear about the meaning of life. Alright, anyway, he's Sorry, Full Metal that, Chicken. I'm Full Metal I'm Chicken. Steph. And it now means that because it is our 42nd episode, someone should go watch, um, you know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because, you know... Yeah. Um, um, checking while I remember what level I'm up to for Call of Duty for our weekly check-ins. Yes, weekly check-ins. Um, I said I wanted to get to 110, didn't I? Yes. I think someone corrected me if I'm wrong. Yep, that was it. Um, I don't care. <laughs> so I don't want to care about the basic info, just tell me. Just tell just you. Just So, um, you'll all be happy to know. How, I, how do I go to this thing and find this account? Yeah, how do, I, do I go to my feed? Do I go mm-hmm. to Intel? Player. Player. 112. There you go. What? Level 112. Uh, it's there. I'm not lying. It's there. 112. Nice. Well, um, for everyone else out there, you'll be happy to know that I've gone from the level I was last week. To one up. Uh, to 92. So. I think you were 90. Or were you 84? 89. You did good, fam. In a week, I've gone up three levels. Yes. And I would still like to point out you played more than me. <laughs> yes. So I actually, I actually over the weekend didn't play for 48 hours. Now, Ooh. the reason why we did this is we found that I was starting to rage a little too hard. And by a little, we mean a lot. I mean a lot. Story. And it was more a case of some of the stuff we were both watching. It was a case of, are you... The, oh. the lag has been something else. I haven't had a single lobby that hasn't been lagged out, even though... The internet, you know, when we look for a match, yeah, it says it's looking for forty-two ping. Yeah, no. some of them were boosted to one twenty-five, and I'm like, how is this happening? Exactly. I wasn't running any other device. And someone was talking to me and saying, "Oh, well, you know, if you don't want to go up against PC players and you don't want to bitch, Get a PC. play a different game," and I'm like, "Shut up, you know, child. if I didn't want to go up Shut against up, PC child. players, all I would do I had is turn off crossplay. I just turn off crossplay to stab me in the ovaries." That guy. Because I won, my team, and I carried my team in the game, like this particular match. Yeah. And they told me that um, they wanted to stab me in my ovaries. And I'm like, child, calm down. You lost by 15 points. Like, it was kill confirmed. Yeah. And 15 tag difference. And I'm like, child, you lost by 15 tags. Like, I'd hate to see what you look like if I decimated you in hard point. And he was like, shut the fuck up. I'm going to stab you in your ovaries. So you reported him and he was banned. He was banned. Within 12 hours, his account didn't exist anymore. But that's the line where I should have come back with. No, His, his no, face because, probably looked like no, it was drawn with his left hand. What, you know. micro, what um, Xbox, Microsoft do is they, when you report that stuff, especially in-game communication, they actually listen to it because it's all logged somewhere. Yeah. So they actually go Metadata. through and they... Um, listen to it and then that's how they figure that out so I had the guy's name because I took a photo of it but I have like his account doesn't exist anymore obviously he will start another yeah. Xbox account on a different email with a different credit card or whatever Yeah. but 
you shut down one dickhead at a time. But some of the stuff he was saying, there's crossing the line. Okay, there's there's mindless banter. So if I find that when we end up on the Kiwi servers and you've got the Aussies and the Kiwis. favourite ones are the Canadian oh, ones. And the Canadian, Canadian eh? ones kick in um, between 11.30pm and like midnight. And when we're playing, like when... Um, sometimes you're at work during that time, so when it's just me and two, two or three members from our clan, other members from our clan, and we get the Canadians, and they're really, really funny. But they talk strategy the whole time. Yeah. And there's always the teeny boppers in Australia when we're doing domination, it's capping the three flags. I cap A and B, or C and B. And you know how there's a third flag, and you're like, oh, I'm going to push because I want to get shots, and I want the points for capping the flag. Then they'll spawn at A, say that I'm rushing C. Then they will spawn A, and then you run back. Because that's the objective of the Absolutely. game. You get the points, not only for killing them, but you get the points because it's an objective game for capping the flag. And I want 200 plus. Yeah. I think it's 400 if you cap it by yourself. Um, XP when you do that. Yeah. So that's why I do it. Right? And so the other thing, I'm willing to risk um, the match XP, like them gathering, you know, they might yeah. possess two flags or whatever. But, but like HQ, for instance, when you're playing that one and you're literally capping and people are like But these 12-year-olds are like, no, 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 don't take that flag. It's like, child. And I say to them all the time, and I'm like, you're not a five-star general. Yeah. Please excuse yourself. Oh, why are you capping the flag? Because it's an objective game. And if you don't like... And as soon as they find out you're a girl, oh. they are like, oh, I'm so sorry. And they spam you. Yeah, and then I get all these friend requests and I don't add any of them except for a couple of people and then that turned into something completely different or whatever. Um, and then they're like, don't cap this flag and don't go there. Oh, I want. It's, like, it's an objective game. If you don't like playing that mode and you just want to shoot people, go to Warzone. Or go to, what's the other one? The TDM. Yeah. Just play that and kill confirm. Don't worry about the tags then if that's what you're worried about. You just want to shoot people, do that. Don't st clog up my objective exactly. playlist. We had one where we were playing kill confirmed. And one of the guys in the lobby was bitching to me because we lost. But I, ha I think I had something between 30 and 40 um, confirms. Yeah. And a bunch of denies. And this guy got nothing, but he had a bunch of kills. And he told me to go suck my nuggets. And I said, mate... Child, it's an objective Calm down playlist. with the name, with Master Modder, and you're playing on PC. I ooh, think you need to worry about other stuff. I think we can infer quite clearly yeah. the direction of this guy. But I laughed. I literally laughed. And that's the thing, because a lot of these kids will say something thinking that it's going to offend you, and you just kind of laugh child, it off because... Child, please. It's like, dude, I've, I've had worse well, insults. We had this little child last... <laughs> on Wednesday, Wednesday night... And we were playing, it was around 7.30, and this kid went off, and we were playing, um, what's the one where there's the massive tunnel, but it's in the ruins? You know what I mean? Like, it's not a tunnel, but it's oh. like the archway over the thing, and it's like, oh, is, it, is it a Zia cave? No, not the Zia cave, it's like the buildings, but the, there's the, it's not a tunnel, but it's like the road, but it's got shit over it, the mesh... I'll have to point it out to you next I may time. not be on that lobby. It's the one where... Um, well, that map. You've played it before. I just can't remember the name of it. I'll have to find the name. Yeah. Um, and so there's this little screamer kid, and he, we were playing hardpoint, and he didn't understand that you can't just rush the flag. No. You have to kill the enemies around it, and then you go, because you're just going to lose your life, and there's no point in you running from three quarters across the map yeah. to get there. 
And so he was off. And I'm like, sweetie, I get you're upset. Uh, we want to win the game too, but you have to play objective. Yep. You have to sweep them off first. And then you have to... And we're playing hard point of all things, right? And so what I would do is because I'm of our clan when we play, I'm the one who predominantly plays the objective. Yep. So I know which angle to literally stare at with my rocket launcher to flood off exactly. everyone because I don't want to shoot our friendlies and kill them because in hard point, that's what happens. Um, especially this one. Um, this map. And then they just went crazy. And you just go, child, please, you know? And then he's like, oh my God, do you want to one? I haven't had someone ask me if I wanted to 1v1 them since Black Ops 2. Yeah. And I was like, part screaming, part like, oh my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> and see, the other thing too is one of my mates, he is primarily PUBG. He's in a PUBG yeah. clan and he plays semi-professional. Ramazza, this one. Ah, yeah. That one. Yeah, that one. Um, he plays PUBG and he's a semi-professional yeah. player. Um, so... We were discussing, well, primarily PC. Um, mm -hmm. We were discussing some tactics, and essentially, the way we were describing it is in the whole bell curve of. I, I use bell curve way too much, but in the bell curve. Sorry, of, um, I just want to say if you're here for a specific time points, um, go to the description. Yes. And they're there. Sorry. They'll be there. On as we continue um, rambling about. We were having a discussion, discussion about people Play who. Objective, not. Yeah. Whether you play objective or you play tactical or you just, you know, run and gun, spam, that sort of stuff. Yeah, different. I guarantee exactly. you in the one night of playing, you go from, I want to hack up some bitches yeah. to I'm here to play objective and I don't care how many times I die to my friends are playing, I'm kind of bored, but I'm going to play because I'm having fun with everyone else. Yeah, and see, I find there's days where I've had such a good gaming experience. I haven't complained at all. It's been like a solid day. And it all what I find primarily comes down to bandwidth. Because if mm. the bandwidth is bad, and you're this is generalized... You're going to have a bad match. You're going to have a, band, a bad match, but it's the frustration of... You know you're hitting shots, you're, especially when they yeah. have cabin fever running at the moment. Exactly. And everyone's internet is so slow because of what everything's Yeah, because everyone's on the line. And you actually saw me chasing um, a bunch of people around with the shotgun. Yeah, and you had to take like six shots at someone and, and you were reloading and it just wasn't working. It's and like... They literally, when you zoom in, aim... All you can see on your screen is their body. Exactly. And <laughs> what we found is in PUBG, because obviously, you know, similar to Warzone, I, I don't play much ground war and Warzone purely because of time and obviously I'm trying to get camos. I, it's not my favorite game play to play. Out of all those, I like the plunder, the one yep. where you and your team have to get the money. Yes. But when, my friend, when our friends say, oh, hey, do you mind if I do this because I'm unlocking this challenge? I'm there. Exactly. You know, I can still cap flags. Exactly. Yeah, you're versing 50 people, and I won't be anywhere near, or my stats won't be anywhere near as good as if it was normal multiplayer, but yeah. I'm going to have some fun. Exactly. And talking about fun, they were saying that games obviously have evolved tremendously every decade. Yeah. So you look back at the games in the 90s. Could you imagine just 10 years ago in 2010 oh. saying to people, every video game you buy is now no longer going to have a campaign attached to it. Exactly. That's it's all just going to... You're going to pay multiplayer. $90 a year, every year, not including your battle passes, not including your season passes, just to play with your friends online yeah. on top of your membership of 70 to 80 exactly. bucks a year just to play that. And people say to me, if you had to choose, honestly, between playing, you know, 
COD or, you know, first-person shooters for the rest of your life or games from the 80s and 90s, those retro 2D scrollers, which would you choose? And every time I choose the retro 2D scrollers with the campaign storyline. Even some of the old ones, like for me personally, Dark Forces. Yeah. Star Wars Dark Forces is what really, like those, that era of gaming. Fortnite, okay, for me, I can't, I can't deal. I can't deal I'm with sorry. it. It's, and you know, don't get me wrong. And you know what pisses me off too? Because they have it in, I can't remember what ground, what is a ground war? Yeah. Where you have that, it's like Fortnite, Battle Royale. Ah, uh, Warzone. Where you I drop out of the bus. Yeah. That whole. I can't deal with that thing, and I especially can't deal with you spawn in. To shoot people to die and re-parachute in while you wait to parachute in so you can die. Yeah. And seeing people, <laughs> all these videos, and you see people earning millions. Oh, good on them. Good on them. It's such know? a hard game. It's such a hard game type to actually get a grip on because there are so many other factors. Yeah. And I think that's the idea. And I'm very much more running gun. Yeah. Like, I don't care how many there are some points where depending on the game type you're like oh I really hope I get like a 5kd this round and you're like you really want to be combative and you yeah. really want to push and you go yeah that's cool but I can't I don't play because people will do that to me and they're like oh you know your kd was only 1.25 or 0.75 I'm like sweetie I got more defense time on that hard point than your whole team put together Exactly. Right? And they're like, we're at the 200 and whatever it is, 260, and they're at 35 um, yeah. seconds in the hard point. It's like, darling, I have, like, more hard point time than your whole team put together. And it's like, you're camping. It's like, if I was camping, <laughs> where are my kills? Yeah. To suggest I was camping, I might get three or two guys tops per life. Yeah. But I play the objective, and they're like, oh, oh, I'm like, yeah, whatever. And see, looking back to Fortnite, they've obviously gone, okay, well, people love Minecraft. They love building stuff. For Let's sure. incorporate that into first-person shooters. Wow, look what we've got. You know, we're making bank. However, if I want to... I, I get into that game, and it's like, cool, okay, you can build stuff. I'm more interested in the building side of it yeah, as opposed to the first-person shooting. So then, aspects of Borderlands... I, I, to both sides. I like Borderlands, but I don't like... Okay, obviously, the randomization like the of the games... That I, I enjoy. I, I like to look at it, but I don't like playing games in that way. I like the art style and the graphics, but Fortnite bugs me. It really does. Um, so that's why I will not waste my time playing it. There are people who I know who hardcore play it. Good on them. There are games out there like Dota. Dota is extremely hard to... Like, it has a really steep learning curve. Yeah. Um, and one of the guys at work, he also plays that, and he's really, really good. Dota's been around for literally yeah. over, what is it, 10, 15? It's been yeah, over 10 it's, years. I remember people playing that back in yeah. high school. So, RTS, essentially. You know, I think Dota's like still the most played yeah. game around the world. And some of the tournaments offer massive Millions. Of the pot is worth millions. Millions. And the thing that I enjoy about the RTS, because obviously growing up with StarCraft, mm. Command & Conquer, you know, it's those kind of RTS games. The nostalgia no, I, is there. I get it. I really like point and clicks, though. I don't have any more the capacity. I think Skyrim ruined it for me, Yeah. to be honest. See, Skyrim is one of those games where you set aside a week and you oh, just even go crazy to not get e to scratch yeah. the surface. I'm still so pissed that I saved my data yeah. on that drive. Yeah. 
as opposed to the cloud. Yeah. Um, because it's oh, dude, that was an amazing game. And then I'd love um the Sensro franchise. So yeah. I'm still still fucking waiting. But see, Saints Row is such a good game, even in co-op. And that's one of the ones where you can literally just zone out for two, three hours. Exactly. I and you just play. Like, for instance, getting the VTOL and just camping. And I always... Uh, oh, I want to climb this building just to exactly. jump and parachute off and land on that truck. You can do that. Yeah. And see, there are so many, you know, like, if, if you look at games that have the... It's about the quests. It's about the side quests. It's about how you can get immersed within a game. Now, compare, drawing comparisons, for instance, the thing that draws you into a game like Call, you know, Call of Duty or Minecraft, it's essentially it's fast-paced, it's rewarding, yeah. and you want, to, you want to collect things. However, if you go right back to you know, the 90s, you've got games like... You, just, you were there for the story. Exactly. You've got StarCraft, you've got Company of Heroes, Warhammer, you know, Homeworld. Homeworld... Uh, another one, Eve, is essentially uh, an Excel spreadsheet with really pretty colours. <laughs> now, um, I'm just going to put that out and say, Pete, if you're listening, hello. Um, yeah, I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> so, um, it's... But it's those kind of games where you have they to go... They don't they, like they used to, they don't, to be honest. But I find... I'm not 15 anymore, so that my no. game choice has changed because as much as I love... Uh, you know, going back to nostalgia, those games are always going to hold a special place. Yeah, for but sure. now it's a case of you have to keep up with what it's doing. Like, do I want to be mainstream or do I want to be archaic? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And I just you can be both. Yeah. But ultimately, I don't know. Like, I think people have whether it be one game franchise or one game genre, and they stick to it. For example, point and clicks. I'll always... I don't have time and I haven't played in eight, nine months. Yeah. But I'll... I still grab them when they're... You know, a six-pack is two, three bucks at EB Games. And I go, okay. I'll put that aside for when I actually do have time to play it. But yeah. But we've also found, too, there are certain games... And I'm going to mention Maze Runner. Because I... I don't know what Maze Runner... Remember how it's got the the marble? um, uh, You know, you got... The marble rolling around. Yeah. Now, what we found is, and this is an interesting thing. We still thing. have that. We emulator? still have it. We still is got it. Is it on your PS3? Yes, it's on that okay. one. Now, the interesting. What's it called? Because I buy it for this PS4. We'll get it. Yeah, it's. I think it's made. Remember, it's made. Because it was like six, 60, 70. Yeah, it's only got like ten levels on it. No, but it's got like sixty or seventy retro games. Yes. In the bundle. In the bundle. Out yeah. What that is. And the thing that we found is, obviously, I play inverted, and it pisses oh, people off. God, so. I can't help it because when I was a kid playing joystick yeah, that's games, how you learn. that's, that's how, how I learned. And it's it's really hard. Like for instance, I'll go and play something like Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden Two. I've never heard of that. Essentially, you're a ninja, but really? you can't turn on invert. It won't allow you oh, to. No. So a few of my mates at that time got a laugh because obviously I'm trying to play the game and but I you're can't. you're learning the direction. Because everything is down. It's like. I feel like I'm, I'm completely retarded. Not yeah. in a bad way. I'm just saying, like, everything's backwards. It's like yeah. I, I actually get a headache playing the game because that's I have to what, do everything backwards. That's what happens to me when you're like, oh, I have to go to the toilet. Can you just run out the rest of this match for me? Yeah. And I'm like, looking at the sky, so, <laughs> looking at the ground. So, I can't deal with it. And one of our friends was, because I got the kill cam the other night, and apparently my sensitivity gives them a headache. 
Because yeah. apparently I play on a really high sensitivity, um, like in respect to the level that they play on. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, oh, really? I thought it was low. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like with the sensitivity, I've got maxed out sensitivity when I play the game. It's 14. I've got it max 100. Like, it can't be 100. It's, it's percentage. So like the max bar, it's maxed out. Is it a percent bar? Yeah, it's, it's a percent bar now. So, I set it up the day we... This, you know how it yeah. took us like two days to install the bloody thing? Yeah. I set it up. I think I played like maybe... I want to say 10 hours yeah. when we first got it. And then the friend from Union was like, Hey, um, do you have it? Do you want to play? And then yeah. I said... Oh, anyway, so, um, we have to kind of finish forward. what you got to say. But, we've been but just quickly, there's games where I find... If you mess around with the X and Y sensitivity or horizontal vertical sensitivity, it really changes the game style. However, I found that bullet arc and everything and how you can change that with this COD is really great. So the dynamics and everything of aiming play a massive part in how you conduct yourself within My the game. My computer shut down because you're waffling. Sorry. Now, now I won't switch back on. On that note, we actually saw this um, thing on the internet today. Funny, we were on the internet. But what it had was, you know how normally when you make pancakes, what someone had actually gone and done, they used a, like a that just a syringe to take the pancake batter and make it like, like into a little, little like cereal. It was pancake cereal. Yeah. And they were adding milk and honey to it. I'm like, you got to stop breaking the universe because, yeah. you know, it was really weird. So now I'm thinking, hang on a second, I can either make pancake cereal <laughs> or, you know. All right. Um, books, you read anything? Um... Let's see. What did I read? I read... The toilet paper pack. Yeah, I did that. I read an instruction manual um, to see why the, uh, like a soundbar wasn't working. Um, I read a menu for pizza delivery. Um, what else? I read the back of a cereal All box. All right, okay. Anyway, enough with the waffle because we've got places to be. Yeah, we do. Um, I bought you a ton of crossword books. Because of words. Because you wanted them. Word. So they'll be on the way. Word to your mother. Um, and I finally got my... Um, Look, this is... I am officially invested in ghost hunting. Yes. Um, not ghost... Ghost adventures, rather. I'm not saying I think they're legit or anything like that. But I ended up picking up Ghost, Hunt, ghost Hunting for Dummies um, by Zach Baggins. So... Baggins? These monsters... You have a Baggins? 426 pages, I think. Um, and we're gonna... There's a lot of shit in here that we were planning on covering on future episodes. So, hopefully the references be good. Um, and also the books that we're going to use to talk about today. Um, you want to jump into today's quiz? Yeah, let's do it. It's quiz time. And just in case you haven't... Is that of... internet really slow or is that just me? Uh, I think the internet might be really slow. Okay. Someone's probably trying to download a pizza next door or something. Probably. All right. Today's um, podcast quiz is can you identify the Disney movie from just a photo of a door? Bring it on. Alrighty. Bring it on. So... <laughs> Which movie is this door from? I'm pretty sure that that's Jasmine's dad. So I'm going to say Aladdin. Aladdin. Yep. Crank it out. Correct. It's from Aladdin. Oh, describe it. So it literally looks like Jasmine's dad standing at a massive blue door with yep. gold brackets. Yep. And then we have a big grey door with a door knob. It's a with, tiny door well, tiny with a door, door handle on big it. Big yellow gold thing. So um, I'm pretty sure that's Alice in Wonderland yeah. because the door's so small. Alice in Wonderland. Um, then we have a... Uh, Mrs. Potts and yep. the chandelier dude, Lumi Lumiere. Yep. And Cogsworth. Yep. So I'm pretty sure that that's Beauty and the Beast. Yep. That's correct. 
Then we have a... Those clouds. clouds I know those clouds anywhere. Toy Story gives it away. Um, then we've got... Oh, gee, I wonder, with the umbrellas and mm. the oriental feel. Oh, yeah. It has to be Hercules, Michael. Oh, absolutely, definitely it's Hercules. It's totally not Moron. Yeah, no, not at all. So, uh, then we've got a door that looks extremely frozen. So, uh, yeah. It can't possibly. It must be Zootopia. No, yeah, you want to build a snowman? <laughs> and, uh, oh, geez, I wonder what this one is. I don't know this it face. It's very Aztec. Uh, it's got to be, you know. Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Emperor's New Groove. One of my favourite movies of all time. You can um, cite that, quote that literally video on the Hey, Pacha. Um, so. Now we have a. <laughs> yeah, my love again. Now we have a door. Oh, jeez, a... I wonder. It's got to. It's got to be Atlantis. It's. It's got to be. Totally not Monsters Inc. No, 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 no. They're, they're definitely not. Uh, so, um, yeah. Then we uh, have a little door uh, with some flowers on either side, and it's got to be tangled. Yeah. It's not Princess and the Frog. Um, and then we have a, another door, and it's like a it's more... It's quite tiny-ish. Yeah, tiny-ish. Uh, it's a very old movie, so it's one of the Renaissance. Yeah, Renaissance. Um, there's a deer sitting on the doorstep and lots of squirrels, so I'm thinking it's Bambi. Yep. It's totally not Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, and then the next one... Is a bunch of Oreos with spikes. Yeah. I think that's Wreck-It. Yeah. It's Wreck-It Ralph. Um, and then we have another door, which is, a, you know, just a, an old grey door in a cottage. Again, it's one of the older ones. Yeah. And it's uh, definitely Sword in the Stone. Woo woo! 12 out of 12. Yep, me too. So Certified Disney scholar! Your brain is jam-packed with the Disney details. You've definitely got a bit of the princess magic in you. Congratulations! Go reward yourself with the weekend movie marathon and some taster snacks. Will do. We deserve it. There you go, done. Because cool. my name is Prince Ali, Ali Ababwa. Strong as 10 right. regular um, men. While know. we're here, uh, is there any... We didn't watch anything, did we? Um, no, what we did start watching... Was Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. We did, we, we did started watching that. Uh, we also watched... Well, actually, I started watching Equilibrium again um, with Christian Bale before he became Batman. Um, Batman. Batman. Um, I've just primarily been working through the Star Wars movies because I'm editing at the moment. So technically... I'm watching the entire Star Wars Alrighty. series. We're so. not here to waffle on. Yes, fam. we are. Waffle on. Do you, have you watched anything new that you want to review or no? Um, let's see. What no, we haven't really. Because we haven't watched any movies that are solid new that we want to review. Uh, no, the only thing that I wanted to start watching was World War Z. No, okay. sorry, not World War Z. Um, the Walking Dead. Okay. Or Chompers. You know, All right. Weekly news. Let's make this quick. Yeah, quick news. Um, unfortunately, and it's really freaking terrible, but the day that we finished recording um, the podcast that went up yesterday, being the 26th of April, um, last week, I think it was Wednesday, wasn't it? There was a massive accident yeah. that involved four Victorian police officers and two... One's an idiot and one's a, a four-letter C-word. Yeah. Um, so it's like been really sad there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on and it's saturated australian media at the moment rightly so rightly they so. have every right to feel safe on the job and they don't deserve no. to and not even as police officers as human beings as human beings and we were watching a 
So basically to give you a rundown, if yeah. you haven't heard, because a lot of people um, that listen to us are from the UK yeah. or from the US and Canada and stuff, um, and Mexico. But basically um, there was a dickhead in his Porsche yep. acting like it was Bugatti. Yep. And he got pulled over on the same stretch of road literally a week after he yep. got pulled over the first time. And so he was being irate, and that caused him to call in a second unit that was a couple minutes away yep. from them being pulled over on the side of the road. got busted doing 140 in a 100 zone. Yeah. Um, and then so all four cars, two cars were there, four coppers were there, yep. two of which were recent graduates yep. from, um, the other two were solid, like one lady who's phenomenal um she was apparently one of the best trainers and was a leading in her senior district. constable yep um she's like one of the leading trainers uh, and we give names or i don't want to give names yeah, no. not because it, i be, just don't want to push yeah. out shit for the family i'm not here to put clickbait or anything no, like that or do we say it because they deserve to have their names recognized i don't know um, do they deserve to have their names recognized yeah i mean i don't mean do they of course yeah. they deserve to have i'll just say it let me just google them yeah someone because talking it's, mad shit it's currently um, still in the... I think it's Magistrate's Court. They're still... No. So it's no, no, no. Hang on. Let me just get their names first. So basically... Um, oh, come on, internet. Slow internet. <sighs> so... Um, leading Senior Constable Lynette Taylor. Senior Constable Kevin King. Constables Glenn Humphreys and Josh Presney. Um, so this dickhead was, got pulled over being a Porsche. So two guys were there and she was like, let's call a second unit. So she did that. That second unit rocks up. Everyone's there. And then because force is fucking the line and how many, how many dice do you have to roll to get those chances? One idiot who is on ice in a refrigeration truck, who has just come from Queensland earlier or the day before, I can't remember what it was. Um, he's come barreling through, and they were obviously in the emergency lane. Yeah. The dickhead that they pulled over, the fucking moron, has climbed over the barrier to take a piss. The refrigeration truck and the driver has come up behind them and totaled them. Yeah. So he's come back, the dickhead. The guy who was driving the truck is like, his soul has left his body. Yeah. He was already under the influence, but realising... Yeah. He sobered up real quick. And apparently he lock. looked down for an ice pipe in the cabin, crossed three lanes, And it was bang, gone. Gone. And so he literally, like, went into shock. Yeah. The dickhead... And as I said, had a medical episode yeah. after the crash. Right. So this dickhead has then climbed over the barrier, taken out his phone, started filming the female police officer who was crushed up on the hood of his... Was it the hood or the back of his car? So essentially she was wedged under the the cabin of the truck and the back of the car. And so she... And he recorded this footage. He deleted said footage after he posted it like a moron on social media. But I don't want to say fortunately because it shouldn't have fucking happened to begin with. It should never happen. But there is evidence of it happening because all their body cams and their car units were recording all this footage so all that footage was salvageable yeah this cunt did record shit he did post it on the internet yeah. within two hours if you went on twitter 
you knew everything about this man. Yeah. He was doxxed to fucking filth. Yeah. And rightly so. People had his addresses. People had the... Ad- he went a little far and they found the addresses of his parents and shit like yeah. that. They found out where his wife worked. They, within 12 hours, went to his house, trashed his garage door, spray-painted it, rightly so. Yeah. I don't condone legal behaviour, but at the end of the day, he did do what he did. And stuff the fact that you're a fucking hoon. Yeah. But to film someone in their dying moments when they died because they had to pull you aside to keep the rest of the state safe and they lost their lives for a dickhead. And see, in Australia, um, recklessness endangering life and also leaving the scene of an accident is a big, big offence. So this dickhead takes footage and he hikes. But he also threatened the officer. Okay, so, so he's filming. Really... He's filming her. She's like asking for help. People have obviously stopped, yeah. and people are there. And the freeway's closed. Like yeah. you can't go anywhere. And so they're there. Um, and so there are other civilians on the road, and they can hear. Like there's nothing, so they can hear her asking for help. And he left. Well, first one guy's like. Um, you shouldn't be there, like, around the car. And he's like, this is my fucking car. She's fucked up my car. Yeah. Oh, my God, what the fuck am I going to do? He gets... He has two mobile phones. One he's filming with, one that's in the vehicle. He reaches in, grabs his shit, and he fucking hikes it. And then they caught him the next day. They already knew who he was because... And I said this to you. Because there's no way they would have entered some of his details into the system already when they pulled him over. Yeah. Because that's what happens in an Australian car chase. And also, this guy... Had, was on We're getting bail. to it. Sorry. Stop yeah. jumping back yeah. and forth because you're splitting the story. So they, they already know who this guy is. They already know that he has other issues. People had already found that he had been on a current affair three years ago because he deliberately blocks his elderly neighbour who has terminal cancer, blocks her driveway like a fucking idiot. Then he goes, and she's filming this happening because no one bloody believes her, and she sends it into a current affair, and he's like, I hope you die, I hope the cancer gets you, I'm so glad you got more. He, that morning, the morning after, goes to Chemist Warehouse in Fitzroy, one of them, and then starts to blurb about everything that happened in such detail, and the stuff like, stuff this we call the police. Yeah. Because, yeah, just walked into a chemist and started having a go, what a muppet. And the bit that really, really just pushes it beyond, you know, what he actually said to um, leading senior constable Taylor while she was on the hood of the car was, quote, this is actually formal, quote, all I wanted to do was go home and eat my My sushi. sushi. You fucked my fucking car. Um, So that is essentially... What was and this told isn't a twenty-one-year-old man. This no. guy's forty-one years old. He's allegedly a mortgage broker. His business has a two-point-three star review rating, and that's not because of the fallout of this accident. He is an actual asshole. He's very rude. Yeah. His mother has pretty much said we disown him. Um, she thinks it's, she thinks it's fair, and you know the family is obviously devastated. But she thinks that what's going to happen to him is justified. Yeah. Uh, he's been charged with nine offences, including driving at a dangerous speed, reckless conduct, endangering life, failing to render assistance, and drug possession. Yeah, failing to remain and after he did a not drug even, test. He did not even... 149 kilometres. Like, yeah. Kilometers. He, he didn't even apply for bail. 
And what he did too was not only did he get in contact with a federal police officer that he knew, but he then deleted everything. Like he factory reset his phone. You can get that back. You can. Unless you save something over that fragment, you can get that back. Yeah. And it doesn't matter because their footage, their body cam footage, their car footage shows all of that anyway. Exactly. So essentially... It's a really, really, it's an really open shut case. Open shut case for him. And I don't want to say that about four police officers who gave their lives. No, but, but you know. as um, the assistant commissioner for Victoria was saying, if not, you have footage, um, yeah, whether you want to hand it in, contact crime stoppers is always our links in the description. And I want to jump over because yes. we take we spoke too long about your call of duty habits. Yes. Um, Victoria, oh no, the Australian government has put out this COVID safe app. So, from what I understand is, um, I downloaded it, but I haven't, like, signed up, if that makes sense, because you have to do that part. Uh, And the idea is, if you are within 1.5 metres of someone for 15 minutes or more, your Bluetooth on your phones with with anyone around you are going to do a ping handshake, and then say that you or that person you've come into contact with gets diagnosed with corona, you'll get a text message saying that you know you've come into contact you should get yourself tested so on and so forth um a lot of people are questioning the safety of it the australian government has already put in laws saying nowhere can this data leave australia nowhere can this data be sold it's essentially allegedly unhackable barnaby joyce the absolute moron that he is is talking smack but apparently he's going to get briefed first thing tomorrow morning um, I've downloaded it. I haven't signed up on the premise that I'm literally self-isolating and I haven't left the house in three weeks. Yeah, pretty much. Now? And, three weeks. Um, I went out to get my blood test, not a blood test, a flu shot like a month ago. And then the following week from that Monday, you went to the shops and I was like, I'm just going to sit in the car. Yeah. And that's it. So I haven't gone anywhere. The only person I've come into contact with is you. So that's fine yep. for me. But definitely download it. Um, it's on all platforms. Yeah, but uh, Barnaby Joyce is freaking out. You know, he thinks he's being tracked by the government. <laughs> he is the government. You should shut up. <laughs> oh, jeez. Rejoice, Barnaby Joyce. Rejoice. So. Um, and a lot of people were talking about, oh, because Amazon's the server that they're using because they're like one of the only big people in Australia like corporations big enough to um, host the data in the cloud so (laughs) everyone's like oh my god Amazon's going to sell it and then people like the government actually put into a law before they even announced the app that that data is not to be sold so yeah that is that uh, last thing we want to talk about before we jump in is apparently um, North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un is um, kind of having a hard time recovering after some life-saving surgery. Yeah. He's in the DMZ. <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, satellite imagery has been released, I want to say, overnight. Um, apparently he has a train. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, when, when your nation is starving, you make sure you get yourself a train alongside your seven swimming pools. Um, so he's got a train there, uh, and it's docked right by his compound. There's no unusual signs indicating that he's suffering from um, health issues. Apparently he missed the 5th, April 15th commemoration of the 108th birthday of his grandfather, who's the founder, apparently, of North Korea. 
Um, but apparently that train has been docked there since April 21st. And so, the, whilst the train's presence does not prove the whereabouts of the leader or indicate anything about his health, it does land weight to say that he's camping out yeah. at the compound in case he does need to go somewhere. Because the train, um, three days ago, they changed the direction it was facing, like around the track, so it's ready to depart, yeah. to leave should they have to take him away. Um, and so, that's the thing. And then everyone's like, oh, so if he's sick... Who's going to take over? And apparently his sister is worse than him. Yeah. Um, so... Because she's very much about media propaganda and, you know... But she handles the country's media propaganda. But yeah. anyway, um, we should probably get this stuff rolling. How long are we recording for? Um, at the moment, we have been recording for 40 minutes. All right. Anything else you want to say? No. All good. Okay. Today, we're jumping into the world of fraudulent behavior yeah. and we're going to start with a story that has always grinded my gears um bell gibson. gibson you know who bell gibson is the whole pantry i'm gonna yeah. start an app i'm gonna say that i'm vegan and i'm here healing myself through food and nutrition yeah but i'm also still getting cancer and then it turns out that I actually don't have cancer, even though I told you all that I healed and sold books and apps. Yes. On the premise that I healed myself from cancer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, this episode isn't meant to minimize the pain and loss of people who actually are diagnosed. It's more to bring awareness about the fact that you can't trust these stupid Instagram bloggers mm -mm. who do not actually have formal qualifications or anything like that. It is anything... It's actually, per Australian law, um, it's actually legal now to hand out... Well, you can be called into federal prison. Sorry, into court if you are... Um, I'll talk about it a bit later on, but if you're suggesting any kind of um, health-wise decision-making bullshit for someone and you're not a medical professional. Yeah. When I say medical, I mean an actual person who's practised uh, practice-based evidence medicine, whether that be a GP, a nurse, a paramedic, uh, a physio, so on and so forth. Alright? If there's anything you need to report, as always, Crime Stoppers is down below. But today we're talking about, about, about Gibel Gibson. Um, she... Is, has been in a lot of Australian news stories, 60 Minutes, and a lot of news wrap-ups. So you're more than welcome to Google all of that. That's what I did. There are literally hundreds of articles about her, snapshot articles, rewrotes. Um, so, like, one newspaper would publish one article, and then a second newspaper would publish the same article saying the original story appeared, for example, in The Age. I also purchased The Woman Who Fooled the World, Belle Gibson's Cancer Con by Bo Donnelly and Nick Toscano because it literally had everything in like the 300 pages that um, I got to really tie it all together and it had a lot of other information that I wasn't able to find on the internet. Yep. So I'm going to do um, a large portion of what I actually read online and with the 60 Minutes episode, then I'm going to jump through the book and then I'm going to tie in some shit that's happened more recently. Ooh. Okay? So... It's going to be a lot like the Dr. Phil mystery and murder episode where we're jumping back and forth, but I promise you we, when we get to the end, it'll make sense. Yep. All right? So, Belle Gibson, start, she opened her Instagram in 2013. Um, she said that she was a sick young mum 
and she found her health and essentially rescued herself by eating a fresh, healthy, wholesome food diet and she abandoned conventional medicine, so normal medicine, if you went to an actual qualified practicing doctor, she left for natural therapy. And I'm not here to hate on natural pet therapy because I know a lot of people will say that, you know what, um, they do it like alongside conventional medicine and I am very um, kind of worried about, like for example, say that a lot of people take Gringo yep. and Johnson John's wart. That shit actually affects medicines that people take. Yeah. Um, and it impairs the absorption and competition for enzymes and cytotoxicities Absolutely. and how fast your body will uptake the drug. So I'm always quite concerned when people say to me, I'm on this specific list of medication, but I also take this list of, um, not that I myself am a doctor, but as someone who, again, has done pharmacology, is in medical science... I get quite concerned. But Very you do concerned. you at the end of your day and you talk to your medical health practitioner. But this bitch decided to tell the world that natural, med well, sorry, normal medicine, conventional medicine, had failed her. Um, she decided that she was going to abandon her doctors who said, uh, you know, we estimate that you're going to be here for a few weeks to approximately four months. Yep. And, uh, you know... Just Spoiler alert! She's still alive today. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then so she says that she cured, and this is very important. It's imperative to the story. She cured. I'm sorry, because we were talking now. I have to cough. Yep, all the coughing. <coughs> Aha, take that. So she says that she cured her inoperable malignant brain tumor. When the doctors had told her that she had four months to live, max. So, she's on top of the world for about four years. All of her followers are following her journey, covering as she covers, in quotation marks, her medical highs, her medical lows. Um, not, I want to point out that a lot of these people are actually cancer... I don't want to say sufferers, because that's not correct to say that. No. But some of these people, the majority of these people, were people who were actually diagnosed with cancers. Some of which were exactly the same as hers. Yeah. The malignant, inoperable brain tumours. Yes. Right? Um, so, these are people who are hurt, who are struggling both financially, emotionally. Um, they're very vulnerable themselves, their families. There's a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? You can't... It's not a thing where you just get told, oh, by the way, um, you're allergic to bees. No. Like, it's a different level. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um so she decided that she was going to be this beacon of hope to the rest of the world and say that, you know, conventional medicine failed for her. So it would probably fail for them. And therefore just eat healthy. And also, that's a separate thing that pisses me off. Because there are so many people out there who eat healthy, who exercise regularly, who don't smoke, who don't put any form of carcinogen material in their body. And you know what? They still get cancer. Do you know why? Because at some point, some people are just genetically predisposed yep. to get that form of cancer. Yep. So you can be as healthy as you bloody want. You have no right to tell people that you have to battle cancer because you weren't whole enough to not get cancer in the first place. And I, my body rejected the cancer cells because I decided to eat four heads of celery this week. Yeah. 
That's see, bullshit. Then you see people who go and say, okay, you know, you don't get out in the uh, light at all. You don't get any, you know, sunlight. Maybe you should have some vitamin D. Um, that kind of uh, is separate to that. But a lot of people say, here, have some vitamin D. That also, actually... They change the regulations all the time. Yeah. They're like, oh, this study found that you only need to spend 20 minutes in the sun every day. Yeah. This study found that if you spend more than 15 minutes in the sun every day at high hour, you're going to get skin cancer. Exactly so. So you don't just that easy. No. And also, as someone who does biological research, just because that happens in mice, does not mean that happens in humans. No. No. Well, that's a different story. Alright. So, I'm going to try my best. Sorry, I have to put a lolly in my mouth because otherwise I'm going to cough like there's no tomorrow. Yep, yep. Um, so, throughout all of this... I have some screenshots, and um, in the book they have a lot of, uh, they included a lot of the body of the text that she was posting during this time, because before court she tried to clear and cleanse her profiles uh, to she... delete evidence, but you can imagine a lot of people took screenshots, yeah. especially these guys that wrote the book. So um, where possible I'm going to kind of um, bring that in. Yeah. So um, she tried to pull down everything she possibly could, but as we know, a lot of things that end up on the internet are permanent. Very <coughs> And once it's on the internet, that's it, you know. Pretty much. So her Facebook page was called The Hot Pantry Live Healthy. And she said, It's unfortunate that there is someone on my Instagram trying to discredit the natural healing path I am on. As always, with everything, this is my journey, and I encourage you to do what is best for your body and situation with love and an open mind. I have been healing a severe and malignant brain cancer for the past few years with natural medicine, Gerson therapy, and foods. It's working for me. And I am grateful to be here sharing this journey with over 70,000 people worldwide. Thank you for being here. Kiss, kiss, bell. Right? Yep. Um, so she had so many followers that uh, she became best friends with Apple and they decided to give her an app platform and then when that took over the world literally it was one of the best apps performance wise uh, she approached Penguin the publishers and they decided to give her a platform in a written form and to allow her to publish a cookbook but it wasn't just a solid cookbook if you know what I mean yep. because Penguin in their infinite wisdom <laughs> decided to make sure that she tell her story in about 3,000 words in the first couple of pages of her book. Uh, and throughout, she also tries to discredit actual, proven, practiced, evidence-based medicine. Yeah, because she knows. She, she, she oh, because she's done the research. And by research, I mean she read the first two pages of Google. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? She, know, was, she, she was totally there plating the cell cultures. She's done it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so, between the app and the cookbook she alleges that she made approximately 420,000 Australian dollars um, I'm here to tell you that by my estimations that's wrong but we're going to get into that a bit later on um, <coughs> and the way she was taken down because the only thing they could get her on not because they couldn't ask her to pr prove with take her to order her to get a scan done but they pinned her down because this bitch lied and said that she was promising to deliver a large chunk. Sometimes she said all of the profits. Sometimes, some weeks it was like, oh, anytime anyone downloads this app today or this week, 
I'm going to download all that percentage profit to this family or to this uh, charity or to this organization, right? So she lied. And the lies weren't the same. So she would tell one media outlet, for example, 70%. And then she would go to The Age and then say, oh, I was 30%. And then she'd go to Women's Weekly and say, oh, no, 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 I donated all of it. And then so Australian Consumer Affairs. <laughs> We're going to get to there. So she allegedly never reached the charities. The money never got transferred to the charities until this whole shit. The turd had hit the fan. Big time. Um, and then, so people then really printed out her books, printed out the shit that she published on her app, on all of the newspapers. Oh, she was in a lot of featured articles in Women's Weekly and whatnot. And then the stories did not add up. And then that ultimately led her to have to admit that her claims were completely untrue. So this whole fraud started with her whole pantry. Um, whole as in Whole Foods. So she was one of the first to jump onto this Whole food trend. Here in Australia we had two girls that were at the forefront. Um, one of which actually in her dying days completely abandoned... Um, traditional unconventional medicine and by that point it was too late unfortunately uh, and <laughs> modern medicine couldn't really help her or make her any more comfortable and so she passed away and then Belle kind of took over the title of that kind of cancer health blogger in Australia because there were two and then there were one and now there are some but I'm not going to give them any credit if that makes sense I'm only going to tell you about these two obviously for the one that passed away that's really sad that's really heartbreaking but at the same time I think that there's a level of um you can choose to make whatever decisions you like for you and your body but you should not if you're an unqualified medical professional be telling and even some un some qualified medical practitioners don't know the right information does that make sense Basically, you go so away for... if you're unqualified, how dare you tell someone that you ha can't even diagnose what pathway of medical care they should be taking? Does that make sense? So, again, the app does well. Well, she does well with her Instagram blog. Then she brings out the lifestyle app. Then the cookbook comes out. And I want to mention that all of this shit has since been pulled, Right? You can still go to Goodreads, Google, and Amazon and read the reviews. Um, I'm very glad to say that people have torn it apart. Um, but I was able to, thanks to 60 Minutes, get some of the opening word from the 3,000 word opening about her life um, in her cookbook. And she says, this is one like couple of sentences. I had a stroke at work. I will never forget sitting at home in the doctor's office three weeks later, waiting for my test results. He called me in and said, you have malignant brain cancer, Belle. You're dying. You have six weeks, four months, tops. I remember suffocating, choking feeling, and then not much else. <coughs> Bullshit. Um, yeah, straight off the bat, the alarm bells are ringing. I knew something was off with this bitch before the book even came out, but that's a different story. But could you possibly imagine publishing that? The bit where I see, I see the big problem, it's like, I had a stroke at work. I will never forget sitting alone in the doctor's office three weeks later. So in between that, 
So she's had a stroke at work. One, if you have a stroke at work, one, someone call an ambulance. Two, you end up in hospital. So she went from having a stroke at work to ending up at a doctor's office. There's nothing mentioned about hospital, ambulance, nothing. Do you know why? Because there was no doctor. No. There was no doctor's office. There was no conventional testing completed to get results, right? And then when she was on 60 Minutes, she revised her story. And buckle in, because we meet a doctor called Mark Johns. You know, two of the most bogan and Aussie bloke names out there. You're just like rubbing your nose. You're... Why didn't they just call him, you know, Forex or Six Pack or John Doe or, you know, or James... Quadruple X Gold. James Smith. Fred Durst, you know. Sorry, that was... John a... Smith. <laughs> that was a Limp Bizkit anyways uh, yeah just right. so apparently this Mark Johns is an immunologist and a neurologist but no record of him exists anywhere on any Australian medical health practitioner um, registration directory nothing but she must have had the utmost care because he actually went to her home and he had done some tests that he had called integrative medicine now you and all our lovely listeners uh, wondering the exact same thing that I was. What kind of tests could this guy have possibly performed at home? Oh, all right, he went to her house to draw blood. Yeah. To measure her height, her her weight, her reflexes. Yeah. Um, no. So what would you do if I presented you with a box and it had a lot of buttons on it um, uh, and two leads that were connected to two metal pads, but I told you it was German technology... Now, I know I mentioned German engineering a lot, but this is even so far-fetched for even me. You know, the first thing I would be asking? One, have you just bought me a RC version of a Volkswagen? And uh, two, uh, do I have to build it? We're going to get there. Okay, so it's not a Volkswagen. No, it's okay. not a Volkswagen. Um, so, these metal pads, one is supposed to go below the chair you're sitting on, like the person the patient is sitting on, and one goes like between the chair back and the person's back right so you're squishing it up wait for this and this marvelous piece of german engineering is supposed to tell dr mark john's frequencies does it also detect midichlorians i was hoping you were going to ask me if this piece of technology existed but judging by the fact that you asked me about midichlorians i think that makes you think that it doesn't exist is that what we're together i just what is this shit <laughs> like you know Someone's been staying up too late to like two or three in the morning you, watching you info know, commercials. No, no, no. You want to know the scary thing? This piece of machinery exists. <laughs> wow. Um, I had to do a lot of digging, and I mean a lot of digging to figure this out. With and, a bulldozer. And I can tell you that, yes, it's German made, but it's very dangerous. It's called the Rife machine. Um, it's an instrument invented by Dr. Royal Raymond Rife. Um, it's an electronic device that emits audio and radio waves. Um, I'm guessing it's rife with uh, lawsuits. <laughs> yeah, from an electronic device, a lot of burns actually, electrical burns. Honestly, I take one look at that and go, "Is this kind of some kind a car of car battery jumper lead? A rip off of a freaking car battery jumper lead? Wow, this is fucked." Um, so apparently, it emits audio and radio waves to the individual, the patient, um, with the intent of bettering their health. The rate at which these waves are emitted is called frequency measured in hertz or cycles per second. Um, 
it can you describe what that box looks like to you like, like what the it literally looks like? what it looks like it looks like a heart monitor on the left it looks like a defib on the right it looks like two handcuffs with little blue thing on thingos like with cords to cords, attach to the machine and a 9 volt battery and some other black thing honestly looking at it it's a case of a literal case of it, it literally <laughs> looks like something to read you know electrical signals to either that or get some yeah. kind of charge going it's yeah right so this guy was built this guy built this because he thinks that um he can cure or kill disease or cancerous cells by sending an electrical impulse identical to the electromagnetic frequency that this the cancer cell is emitting okay first of all so as someone who has studied cancer and has written a 20,000 word thesis on it, please continue. <laughs> Looking at this going, the point where it says it uses electrical impulses identical to cells' unique electromagnetic frequency. Okay. Uh, the only thing that essentially you're going to do is if you charge this little piece of shit thing up is potentially cure your heart's ability to provide an electromagnetic function. Essentially, yes. this thing is going to give you self-induced arrhythmia and oh, a mild side effect of death. You know, burns, okay. yes. Um, it well, gets, I'm just going to hook myself up to the fucking power pole out front. Because Ooh. this guy says that he made a microscope that um, can look at these radio waves. And I'm sorry, but can I just double check? Oh, and he also said that um, he developed it so he could look at people's auras and the bacteria and viruses' auras. <coughs> Bullshit. All right, so anyway, you're not allowed to type because you make noise. <laughs> anyway, um, as a I am a trained microscopist. So am I. You're a trained microscopist. I'm pretty sure they don't make no. lenses no, they don't. for that. No, they don't. No, they I'm don't. fairly certain. No, they don't. Okay. They don't. Uh, they don't even make x-ray ones no, for crystals. Don't. That's why you have to beam a light at it to get a diffraction pattern. Yes. Let alone to be like, I have a thing that measures radio. I don't think it could be done. I just wanted to double check no. in case I had missed something. No, it can't. It can't be done. <laughs> at the moment. Hopefully it can be done eventually. It is. But at the moment it can't be done. So think of it this way. The only way you're going to see it is... So basically the FDA, which is the Food and Drug Administration, that's the American, and the TGA, which is the Therapeutic Goods Administration, these machines are not sold, are not proven, like, uh, approved by these two governing bodies. They also warn companies against selling these machines. They warn people and they actually contact them and say, take down your information promoting this machine. So, um, in a way, is what this thing was set out to do is, like, real-time impedance monitoring. So, what the, what, what the guy has built is... A, Say that he strapped that to my arm. Gave you a charge. No, no, no. Say that he strapped that to my arm. Tell him what magnetic voltage my arm was running at. As soon as I moved my arm, it would be a different voltage. Because the sodium and potassium channels have worked. <laughs> But anyway, that's a different story. Wow. So, I don't know if that specific model that I've shown you is the one that he diagnosed, in quotation marks, Bell with. But what I want to tie here is that this machine 
is not for diagnosis. It's a, it's not even a therapy, but it was built to be a therapy. She's saying she was diagnosed by this machine. So essentially what they marketed it towards was people who also, you know, confer a large resemblance to a stupidity sponge. Yes. Because they absorb all the stupidity. Yes. I'm going to coin that stupidity sponge. Done. Done. Okay. Could all the stupidity sponges out there please DM us so we can actually ask how much sponginess you have for the stupidity. Anyway, so this Dr. Mark Johns tells Belle that she's got a stage 4 brain tumour and that she's got four months to live. Now, I was wondering how she actually met this doctor, where she met him, why she thought she needed Probably this diagnosis. Probably Tinder. She swiped right. <laughs> Tinder wasn't around then, but we're exactly. going to get into that later. Um, and then, so, in her 60 Minutes interview with um, the journalist Tara Brown, Tara's like, why in your book did you deceive authors and uh, readers and say that you got this diagnosis by a doctor in a doctor's office in Perth? if you're now saying you had it done at your house. And then she's like, oh, because my readers and followers wouldn't have understood it and a lot of people would have been angry and disappointed in me because it wasn't a conventional diagnosis. Um. She also claimed that at that point she was undergoing chemo and radiotherapy for two months. Um, and she says she wasn't lying because at the time she believed that she was receiving that treatment. Um, because apparently this Mark Johns guy gave her medication and told her that it was both chemotherapeutic and radiotherapeutic. Um, even though we find out that all of it was alternative. But it's I just, I'm still looking at it. It just... Okay. What it resembles... I, I, I'm, 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 I'm stuck on this. It, It's basically just a fucking electromagnetic radiation detector. That's all it is. It looks like a heart rate monitor. Without well, the cuff. Without the cuff. The nine volt battery, the cabling, and it talks about. You know we, what charge you're reading? You're can, reading the charge of the nine volt battery. We can measure your frequency. Sure. It may even like pick up your microwave. It may pick up your TV, your air conditioning, yeah, your phone, any electrical device in the house. What it's going to do to get to those. Oh, oh, but, oh, hang on a second. I keep forgetting that, you know. The abundance of stupidity is at your core. That's why you need to get rid of the uh, thetans. Look, it's gonna, it's gonna get a lot worse from here. So she now says in this interview with Tara that um, she started this chemo and radiotherapeutic treatment in Melbourne, and she fell pregnant, which again is completely different to her original story. Um, also, did Tara Brown frown? Oh, Tara Brown was literally heated. <laughs> I've never seen Tara so heated in my life, and I've watched a lot of 60 Minutes. Because she sure as hell did not want to get down on that one. No. Um, so she says that being fallen pregnant was this huge catalyst for her because she didn't want to undergo the, pre the treatment and potentially affect the pregnancy. Um, I'm not a mother. I'm not pregnant. I've never been pregnant. Um, I've never had to take this medication, but I'm fairly certain they ensure that you are not trying, that you're not pregnant when you're taking these meds, but please feel free to... Um, Correct me there. I'm fairly certain that's what they say, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I... I just... It, it's... it's This is going to... I don't know, but I, I just feel like this is going to get really stupid really, yeah, really yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm asking you to agree on, am I right in saying that... Um, say that I had cancer. Yeah. And that I was given this actual therapy. 
Yeah. I can't fall pregnant, no. right? They make sure that you're not pregnant before they give you this this treatment. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That's, that's you, not me. I'm you, can't, sure. you can't do that without, you know, having all that sort of shit. So. Anyway. So, she says in 2009 that she had three heart operations. Don't ask me what type. I was never able to find out. She suffered two cardiac arrests. Uh, died twice on the operating table, had a stroke, and was also op- diagnosed with this improbable, inoperable brain tumour, given four months to live. Uh, she maintains that all of this was true, that she still has the heart condition, and that she was supposed to get the surgery, but she didn't. So, I don't know about you, but... I don't know how you can claim that you can say that you died on an operating table when you actually didn't get a surgery. No, it's bullshit. Anyway, so um, she told people that she had these three surgeries and she now says that um, when she was in her late teens, she was experiencing a lot of uh, emotional and physical abuse. Apparently someone from her childhood was stalking her. Um, During this time, she lived in Perth. She was regularly updating a skateboarding forum, which we'll get to later. Um, and instead of posting, you know, about skating, she's starting to weave her web of lies from a hospital bed, in quotation marks. And so she's posting updates like, I have heart conditions. I'm going to hospital in a few hours. My heart would have stopped pumping blood. I go back to hospital for around three of heart surgeries. Anyway, the procedure failed and I died. Went to cardiac arrest and died. I had surgeries about surgery about seven hours hours ago. Wish me luck. I'm scared. The drain failed and I went to cardiac arrest. And I have the most intense bruising from the paddles when they electrocuted me back into consciousness. I love that word electrocuted. Wow, that's um some real bullshit right there. Yeah. So she uh, admitted to Tara that she was not in hospital at the time that she was posting all of this. But to me, like, she's writing about these things, like, so viscerally. Yeah. And because she knows her audience as well, like, the majority of the forum would have been young guys, and she wants that attention, is what people are saying. Um, But she chalks it up to just being young in this stressful situation, and that she was melodramatic. And Tara's like, um, that's melodramatic? Yeah. Melodramatic is like crying after you've stubbed your toe. Yep. Not... Claiming you've had four can like four heart, open heart surgeries, no. but what do I know? Um, and Tara's like, so why are you being truthful now? And she's like, oh, because I have no reason to lie. I've got nothing left to lose. I've hit rock bottom. I just want to heal. I just want to apologize, and I don't want people to think that I'm lying anymore. Um, but a lot of journalists and people that they've spoken to agree that she he is like. It all started from this skateboarding forum and um, she, because of the sympathy she received, she just wanted to keep building yeah. on that. Um, and then she that pretty much allowed her, made her continue her fraudulent behaviour up until she was essentially caught and um, we're going to get into it later, but she's still carrying on just with a different tack. Oh, gosh. Um, so she acknowledges that a lot of her followers and critics wonder why she didn't get an actual diagnosis and brain scan. 
Um, she admits that as far back as 2010, she had doubts of her own about her diagnosis that she allegedly received in 2009, um, that she wasn't sure if the cancer was exacerbating, regressing, or was staying the same. Um, she wanted to get a scan done to see where she stood. Um, she says that there was no indication that she was misdiagnosed, even when she continued to live past. So, like, the doctors told her, this Mark Johns, who's her alleged doctor, even though he doesn't exist, has said, you know, you've got four months tops. And in her head, she's not, like, like, trying to add up that, oh, I've lived past four months and I'm still here. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't raise any flags for her, allegedly. So she ends up going to the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne um, and she sets up Dr. Mark Johns as her referring doctor so that the scan would be sent to him uh, because apparently he asked her to do this. Like, he requested that she do this. Yeah. So a pen... This, so she gets the scans done. This is her words, obviously. She gets the scans done. Um, they're sent to Dr. Mark Johns. He comes to her house and he shows her a brain tumour. And Belle says that she would later come to know that these weren't her actual scans. Um, that she, during this interview with 60 Minutes, she had told Tara that she went to the Alfred, that she got her whole patient file, and it showed that there was no brain tumour apparent on those scans. Um, apparently it was, an, it was a big ordeal. Um, that, you know, I, it just really annoys me but the 60 minutes producers asked her to produce these documents like these scans yeah right and she just didn't do it no. and she wouldn't do it and then um she handed over some documentation to the 60 minutes producers um and it states that the reason why she went in is not because she thought she had brain cancer but because she thought she had multiple sclerosis oh god um all in and all, she's is, full of shit. And That's it's what kind she of is. my area of expertise, if you will. Um, I've already written one thesis on multiple sclerosis, so I kind of know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so this scanning was done on the 15th of November in 2011, and a neurologist within a 40 minute session conducted an MRI. He told her that her brain scans were normal. And this is two years after, sorry, this is two years before. She starts selling this lie yep. to the world, right? And in my opinion, the only thing that I think she should be diagnosed with is Munchausen's. But well, I'm bit, not a clinical psychologist. A bit more than that. Um, she'd need to meet with the actual clinical psychologist to establish a clinical diagnosis. And then some. And, you know, people have said this to her over the years. And she says, like, I don't think I have this because... I'm not creating my symptoms, so therefore I can't have this disorder because I'm not causing myself physical pain. Well, she's calling every causing everyone else physical mm -hmm. pain. Pretty much. So, from 2013, her empire really starts to skyrocket and kick off. She became a national celebrity. I, we used to see her on the Sunrise oh, um, morning just, show. Do you remember that one? Yeah, You're like, she's just full of shit. Oh, Belle, you look so well. For someone with such a diagnosis, and she's like, oh, you know, and you can tell she's like, thank you so much. Like, and when I watched that, that is when I knew something was wrong. Yeah, because essentially she's just right because it's just it. the way she was carrying on. But you can't tell someone I need you to prove that you have cancer. 
No. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, so she's still preaching about disengaging from conventional medicine. Um, and I knew at that point that that's quite dangerous because for her followers who are actual people diagnosed with actual cancer, you need to follow actual medicine. Yes, you do. Um, but whatever. And so they're like, oh, you know, for someone dealing with brain cancer, you look incredibly healthy. And she's like all bashful and bullshit. And then that wasn't enough for her. So she needed more fuel to feed the fire, right? So she finds this other quack who tells her that her cancer yeah. has spread. Because, you know, when you... And this is what I don't understand. When you're claiming that you that you have clean-eated, right? Your clean eating has cured you of one cancer, your malignant brain cancer. How are you then going to say that the cancer that I cured has now spread? Yeah, it's... Does that make sense? Like what I'm trying to say? It's all bullshit. You know, how's it getting worse if you're saying that you've already cured yourself? If your methods are working? Anyway... So she gets on and she updates her followers and says, With frustration and ache in my heart, it hurts me to find space tonight to let you all to let you all with love and strength know that I've been diagnosed with a third and fourth cancer. So this new doctor told her that the cancer had metastasized to her blood, spleen, brain, uterus and liver. Now, this guy does exist. We're going to talk about him a bit later on. Um, when he was approached by 60 Minutes, he denied that he ever gave us such news. Um, he said that he's not qualified to diagnose cancer. She maintains that he did diagnose her, that he did tell her, that, and that he is the one lying, and that she is the one telling the truth. Um, that he diagnosed her with the exact same equipment that Mark used, aka that machine box, right? Yeah. Um, she says she didn't initially think that she needed to go to the hospital, but that she was devastated. And then Tara says, well, do you maybe just want to believe that you have cancer? And then she spewed a very rehearsed line saying that nobody wants to believe that they have cancer. Um, and that she herself is still coming to terms with the fact that she can take that weight off her shoulders. She doesn't accept that she's a pathological liar because she has never been unintentionally truth untruthful. Right. That's what she says. Um, she blames all of this on difficult childhood. Oh, of course, absolutely. Uh, you know, blame your childhood, you know. We're going to get into her mother a little bit That's later where on, the problem really whatever. is. Um, she claims that she's estranged from her mother and her brother. Um, that she's estranged she from her brain cells. Her father, and that she moved around a lot as a child. Um, apparently her age is also up for debate because she has several birth certificates and her mum used to change her name a lot when she was a child. And she said that that was her normal when she was growing up. But so she was born in multiple places. Wow. No, no, no. Her name was changed. Like, her mother changed her name a lot. Her mother's weird, but we're going to get to yeah. that later. All right? So, regardless of whatever age she claims to be or she actually is, I don't think that should detract from the fact that she used people. People who were actually diagnosed with cancers or other illnesses and their desperate families to broaden her scam. To deepen her fraud, right? Doesn't matter how old you are, you're still an adult. Wow, it sounds like honestly, she is so bad that honestly, you would need 120 minutes to watch a 60 minutes documentary on her. I'll tell you what. Um, so one example of a family that she tried to thwart was the Schwartz family. I love that word, thwart. And the thwarting. <laughs> There's a movie for us. The Thwarting. Okay. I was anyway, thwarted. So, um, the Schwartz family um, included a young boy called Joshua 
Uh, he was age seven at the time, and he was actually dealing with the terminal brain cancer that Bell said she had. So Bell befriended the family, um, and everyone is in agreement that she did that so she could pump them for information, so she could find out what it was like to actually live with this diagnosis, so she could act like, um, so she could tell people what symptoms she had. She could tell people what she was going through, what she was feeling, and so on and so forth, right? Feeling. Uh, so she, to this day, maintains that she and the family had a close relationship, and they were very close, that close. she didn't deceive them. She understands that they're hurting, but she never questioned the son or his mother about his symptoms or experiences. Um, and this bullshit goes even deeper, because she and her company pledged money to a number of charities and organisations that we said... Um, including their family. Alright, so people approach them and they're like, we haven't received anything yep, from yep. her. What are you talking about? So, <coughs> people sat down and what they worked out is that she um, pledged roughly $3,000. If you taxed up all of her lies and what she said she donated to certain charities, organisations, whatever... It added up to be around 300000 Australian dollars. And this is what caused her downfall. Because the charities said that the money never came. Some of them actually contacted reporters. And that's where it all went downhill. Yeah, because, you know, right? the people she contacted actually are able to find information out, you know, backtrack. Yeah. Um, so fraud came to light and she's been trying to lie her way out of it ever since. She says that she took her financial information to an accountant, um, that she told them that she was way in way over her head, that she needed to be brought up to date. Um, but even if the money is accounted for and she ends up donating everything she ever made, right, even if it's from her own pocket 10 years from now, nothing is ever going to change the fact that she led people on when she made these claims, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, we don't know how widespread her wellness path movement really goes or how many people gave up conventional treatment to follow what she calls her practices and healing. Just quickly, hypothetically, if people who were actually getting, you know, traditional chemotherapy, all that sort of stuff, went off that to do this, That's hypothetically, could she, she be could charged with involuntary manslaughter if they we're died? We're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, we're going to get to that, but honestly... That's not what the Australian government wanted to do. No. Um, they wanted to make an example of her, and we'll talk about that a bit later on. Um, I think that she should be held accountable for all of those. Absolutely. Um, She's a fucking I think charlatan. that the publishers of both her book, like her Penguin publishers, and all the app stores that allowed her to sell her app on that platform should be reprimanded. Something shocking. Um, like Apple, Penguin, and whatnot. Because um, in my eyes, they had the responsibility to fact check her and a responsibility to ensure that she wasn't promoting people to turn away from actual licensed practice based medicine. Yep. Evidence based medicine, but what are you going to do? She says that none of this was her intention, like swaying people away from actual medicine. Um, she still is playing the victim card. She's saying that um, all she wanted was to have been given time to figure out what, she, what her reality really was, um, to come to terms with her misdiagnosis before she came forward. She said that she felt a lot of grief for not actually having cancer. So she goes, oh, I have a lot of grief. And then Tara's like, you have a lot of grief because you don't actually have cancer. And she's like, no, no, no. I have a lot of grief because um, I was lied to. 
Right. Um, and then she's like, oh, I had to unpack all of that. And then that's when I wanted to update my community. Because she had a definitive date. Because, you know, you can plan the exact time when you're going to move on from such a trauma. And she says that that was exactly 10 days after... So, she says that the time that she was going to come... Have it all dealt with in her head, right? Yeah. Was going to be 10 days after the media broke her story. But she didn't know the media was going to break her story then. Bullshit. Complete right. bullshit. So, this is where I have to jump to the book, the if book you don't mind. Of knowledge. Um, can you describe what you see in this heavily annotated copy? Notes. <laughs> you, you have consulted the slanderous texts. Not the text is slanderous, but what they were writing about. Is slanderous, yes. Yeah. All right. So, um, I want to take you to almost the eve of... Um, Bell's downfall. The dawn of time. No, this is after the dawn of time, so she's already been diagnosed. You oh, see? yeah. All right? Yeah. Uh, this is before she hits the fan, literally a couple of days beforehand. So she is at the funeral of the other girl that I was talking about that was Australia's um, cancer wellness yeah. alternative life coach. Her name was Jess Ainscoe. Um, she was also known as the wellness warrior. I have a lot of problems with her too, but um, that's, I guess, another time for another day. And I don't know how I feel about... Like, she did some bad shit as well, but that's a different really story. Really bad shit. So, um... <sighs> Belle... Oh, sorry. So, Jess lived in the Gold Coast, I think, from memory, right? And so, Belle wanted to go to her funeral. And so she went there, and this is people's recounts who were actually there for the funeral, all right? She wept at times uncontrollably and on top of everyone else. Some guests seemed put off by it. She was noticeably having outbursts. It's like she was making a point of being seen and heard, like she was trying to prove that she was more devastated than everybody else who was there. Yeah, which is Different. a little bit of backwards mentality. So apparently Belle and Jess weren't actual friends. Um, and Jess herself knew something was weird before she passed away. And she was like, I feel uneasy. Something was off about her. Um, Belle had never been to their house before. But she acted like she essentially almost lived there. And then she's at their house after the service. And she pulled... Because Jess was engaged and she was like a few weeks away from actually marrying her fiancé. Yeah. And so Belle pulls the dead girl's fiancé into their room and hugs him, cries on his shoulder and, like, wants him to console her. And he told she told him that her heart was breaking, that she was petrified of dying the way his fiancé had. And he was so freaked out because it's the first time he had ever met this girl. Right? And then he went on to say, look, um, maybe she was just worried... Um, about her dying, and in hindsight, the world was about her world was about to crumble. But no one knew that at the time. No, because we'll get there. Um, so originally, she said that she was experiencing memory loss, problems with her vision, walking difficulties, and that her GP like brushed this aside and prescribed her antidepressants. And then not long after that, she had this quote unquote stroke at work, and then quote-unquote tests, revealed that she had terminal brain cancer. Um, she says that... So, in the peak of her story, she said that she stopped chemo and radiation 
um, because she <laughs> she passed out in a city park near the hospital. But obviously, in the interview with Tara, she was like, "Oh, it's because I was pregnant." Um, and then so the original story was that she passed out in a city park near the hospital and then she said, you know what, I need to detox myself using lemons because your body doesn't have a whole system diet, you know, set up and engineered to detox you. Excuse me, I'm going to go eat a kilo of lemons. Instead, I'm going to drink 700ml of lemon juice every day. Mm, I said what you did there. Mm, yep. I said... God, I sound like an idiot. No, so Belle decides, you know, the best way to kill myself is to travel a country to search for a cure. So she tries to fix herself with good food, holistic medicine, including salt, vitamin, and Ayurvedic treatments, craniosacral therapy, oxygen therapy, colonics, and a whole lot of other treatments. And I know how you feel about colonics. Oh, you know what? Perhaps instead of her trying to cure cancer, perhaps she should just steer clear of everything, including cooking. Because I guarantee you, if yeah. she was a chef, she'd give everyone the shits. Apparently, a lot of her recipes were plagiarized anyway, but of that's course. a different story. Wow. Um, her so copy something? Four years after this, that's when she, you know, she jumped on Instagram just as Instagram came out. Uh, she, As we said, you know, she posted as this cancer patient that was healing herself naturally. Um... Her handle was actually healing underscore bell. But that's a different story. Uh, um, social media apparently like exploded. She amassed tens of thousands of followers. Um, she, you know, used that, as we said, to create her app and then her cookbook. Uh, she drained so much, tra- gained so much traction in Australia, the US and the UK in 18 months. Um, and she actually kind of... So, the first person out of her and Jess to write a book was Jess. Yeah. This is a girl that passed away whose funeral that she was at. And on the first page of her book, um, Jess spoke about how she, when she was a teenager, she, like, spiralled into bad habits. She was really big on binging, um, and she hated her, quote-unquote, chunky body. And then, wouldn't you know it, Belle wrote the exact same thing years later in her book. And was like, oh, I, but she added on to it, right? Because she had the heart of life. Oh, I had yeah. a dysfunctional home. I suffered from binge eating. I was overweight as a teenager. Like, well, I know what body dysmorphia when you're a teenager is like. People have actual photos of Belle. And they say, like, actual diagnosed medical professionals have said she's actually underweight. She's just... She wasn't overweight. Um, but both she and Belle... Sorry, both Jess and then Belle, when she copied and pasted, essentially, um, they spoke about not listening to their doctors because they wanted to, um, you know, trust their intuition. Uh, Gibson knew that her cancer was curable. My immune system was just suppressed. So, you know, my tolerance for this kind of bullshit feels like it's being suppressed. And the bit that pisses me off the most is this bitch not only lied about her cancer but to make money she's now apologizing for lying about cancer to herself to make money so she's making money from no she's not making money now about lying technically yes she did because 60 minutes paid her for yeah. the interview but we're going to get to that all right so the reason why she was carrying on like worse than a pork chop is because she knew she was about to be exposed um, the day before Jess's 
funeral, the age, so these two authors who work for the age, right, they contacted her and like, we're about to lift the lid. We're giving you an opportunity to answer our questions. We're proceeding with this story. Um, you know, we found so many discrepancies, um, not only about your cancer, but also your philanthropy, you know, philanthropy that you're promoting within your global brand um, and so on and so forth. Um, and then her phone was off while she was there. Uh, her partner, Clive Roth Rothwell, who we'll talk about later, um, says that she was on the flight to the Sunshine Coast for the service. So she knew that she was hitting the fan. And instead of letting the family mourn, their fiancé, their daughter, their friend, their sister, she made it about herself because she was about to hit the fan and she needed people on her side. So basically, what this bitch did was just gaslight everyone. Yeah, men. Anyway... So let's rewind a lot. Alright. We're in Wynnum on the um the, the east east coast, but Queensland. You gotta be in them to win them. Apparently it's a working class suburb at the time. All weatherboard homes. Twenty Ks east of the city, and this is where Annabelle Natalie Gibson grew up. She's living here with her older brother Nick and her mother Natalie in a single story gabled brick veneer on Lewis Street. Um, Belle always made a point to talk about how she suffered so much hardship there. Uh, there's a picture of her, uh, a six-year-old, standing on a chair, reaching over the stove top to cook meals for her older brother. You know, she was thrust into the role of the family's primary caregiver. Uh, she carried the burden of responsibility for all the housework and shopping because her mother was simply too sick. Oh, because her mother was ac actually has multiple sclerosis. Yeah, so basically what she's doing is trying to catch up on coattails because she saw that the, the treatment and the response that her mother was getting, she's trying to follow seat, follow That's suit. That's my opinion too, yeah. actually. Um, she described a complicated, neglected childhood. She was left to fend for herself and was denied toys. You know what? This bitch sounds like a meme within a meme. When you really push it, it's hilarious, but it's fucking shocking at the same time. Um, she says she, she never knew her dad, and her mum confirms this story because apparently she was conceived via a donor, like a sperm donor. Um, but the way she's gone, it makes her seem like she was conceived by a donut, because the centre of the actual plot is missing. The centre of where her brain is? Is a black hole. Sprinkles for everything. <laughs> I have rainbow sprinkles in my brain. Her family say that everything she's spoken about are absolute lies. Yeah. Again, we're going to get into how creepy and weird their family is too. Alright. So, in three years when she was growing up, she went to three different primary schools and feedback arranged from she's attentive, conscientious, always did her homework, um, thriving. She made school captain, she won a string of awards, she was an exemplary pupil, she set a good example to her peers. Uh, in December of 2003, she belonged to a youth group run by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, she was known to cook and clean for elderly residents. And give them wheat picks. She was involved in fundraising activities for the primary school. She volunteered for the Breast Cancer Foundation. With wheat picks. Um, and then something happened. She ate the wheat bix Year 10 rolls around. Ran out of wheat bix She, I'm not going to have a go at anyone at a, but I'm just saying, we're setting up for a pretty blonde girl, right? Who's 
living life school wise. Yay! <laughs> Look at me. Everything oh. you know. She's not that I'm saying you. Oh, shit, this is gonna come back yeah. to haunt me. Not that I'm saying that if you suddenly decide to have a change, crop your hair, dye it black, pinch your eyebrows so there's nothing left. You're an emo and you're bad, yeah. and you can't be a school captain. Nothing what against I'm emos. Is, rock on. This bitch used that as to be like yeah. my emotional crutch. Shit's hitting the fan. Yeah, I must now be goth and run away from home. She wanted to, you know, she wanted to wreck emos, but instead she fucked up and went Elmo. Right. So she went through an emo phase, um, and she got involved with the local skater crowd because she wanted the attention of boys. And there's nothing wrong with wanting the attention of boys. But when you're lying about shit to get the attention is when we need to draw the line. But see, what this bitch didn't realise, she was too busy pretending to be emo to try and get boys. But the boys <laughs> at that time were too busy being emo to get wheat picks. Anyway. So she goes on to study hospitality and management while she's at school. To fund her hoarding of wheat picks. And then she landed... Can you explain the wheat bix story for anyone who doesn't know? Uh, yeah, so essentially... The Seventh-day Adventist Church owns wheat bix Yeah, sanitarium. <laughs> Owns wheat bix so you know. Ah, oh, I play cricket and I eat. 40- and sanitarium is owned by Seventh Day Seventh Day Adventists. It's like I All eat. Right, 40, Nikki, we get to the main story. But the joke is, I eat fourteen wheat bix a day. I eat twenty. Let's do the wheat bix challenge. Cool. I just ate fourteen boxes of wheat bix and now like I'm shitting out. All right, now you know, enough of the detour. Getting back on track. Back on track. She landed a part-time job for sales in a catering supply company, making wheat bix and. She moves in with a local man who also works at the company. And also makes wheat picks. He has two sons. Who don't like wheat picks. This man is aged between 40 and 60 years old, depending on who you ask. Now, the way I see it, if you ask multiple people and they all have varying circumstances on how old someone is, surely someone is talking about an imaginary person, correct? Why is a young girl living with a middle-aged man? Mm. I mean, I can... <laughs> Weepix dependent? Can, I don't think so. If you say Weepix one more time, I swear to God. Stabbed in the face! We can speculate. Yeah. This is pure speculation and conjecture. Apparently, in school, she loved acting. She was a known storyteller. She went to camps run by the Australian Acting Academy. Right. Um, she was quickly earning herself a name for spinning Tories. Stories. <coughs> they shit. actively yep. called her melodramatic. <laughs> Mellow. She imitated yeah. others. She was prone to lying. She told another a lot of people that she was part of the witness protection program. She, she told a lot of people that she was a test tube baby because she was, you know, her dad had donated her donated, donated sperm. In Dungeons and Dragons circles, what she would be called is a fucking mimic. <laughs> Someone rolled um, a one. Everyone says it's clear she was a pathological liar. And then some. One of her school friends said that. Every health crisis lines up with her boyfriend trying to break up with her at school. So her he would be like, boyfriend. no, her actual school, <gasps> high school boyfriend. So he'd be like, um, we need to break up. And she'd be like, but I have a surgery next week. <laughs> you can't leave me now. What's she, what's she going to do? Plug a knife into a PowerPoint? Or should I have a surge? <sighs> anyway. Um, so we're setting up a pattern here. Yeah. And it definitely um, colorblind. People have lost count on the amount of life-saving operations she's claimed to have had. Um, apparently in the town, people literally were, they treated her like a laughing stock. They made fun of her. Um, she turned to be a bully. Um, she turned into a bully rather. 
And one of her boyfriends said she wouldn't go five minutes without making up a story. So he essentially ghosted her. Yeah, this bitch sounds like she, like, you know, profiteered from dividing by zero. Then she wanted to win, but win this guy back. <laughs> and she's like, look, um, the government's going to pay me $10,000 because I look after my autistic brother. Don't you want to stay with me? We can spend the $10,000 together. Uh, and the dude was like, Ugh. nah, fuck it. All right, so this is where she discovers the internet. <laughs> we all discover um, the internet. It's 2005. She finds a chat room about the band The Flaming Lips. I haven't heard of them, but apparently she has. And then this is where she starts talking mad trash about her medical history. Um, she's posting in the general forums that she's suffering from brain cancer. And so shit is obviously happening in her personal life. And we're going to get into that later again, like I said. Sounds like she's addicted to home and away. So in 2008, she drops out of year 12. Her brain dropped out years ago. And she looked... She's 16 years old. How old was I in 2008? I was 15. Right, so she's one year older than me. So she's looking at a map of Australia and she's like, how far away from this town can I get? And she's like, bingo, it's Perth. Right. Who the fuck would want to go to Perth? You went to Perth, you told me. Yeah, Yeah, only because I didn't have a choice in the matter. My mum's dad, when he came to Australia, he almost settled in Perth. (laughs) I lived in Perth. Me? I would vaporize. Yeah. yeah. The average temperature there is 30 degrees. Yeah, what am what... I going to do in 30 degrees? Melt. Imagine being in Darwin. I don't want to do that. And not on top of only on, there's humidity. Yeah, it would literally go from Darwin to Darlos. Anyway. Yes. So, in case you've wondered, you know, shit's about to get bad. Well, I mean... <laughs> some... I'm not saying that people can't leave school at a young age to pursue a apprenticeship or whatever. Can you say hello, Justice Department? Anyway. So she gets this job with the private health insurer, HBF. She works in their call centres for seven months until... Oh, also private health insurance company, right? Phone yep. call. Yep. Hello. This um, is your private health insurance. How can I help you? She's working in the call centre for seven months until the 5th of January 2009. So you can imagine that her whole life at work is listening to policyholders calling up to detail their, you know, symptoms and stuff. Ah, uh, hello. I seem to have. So she's mad. making a list in her head about what yep. people have I've and how to use it. Dementia, but I can't remember. Yep, I've got this. Uh, yep, cancer sounds good. Lots of people, you know, get support for cancer. I now have cancer. Fuck this. Yeah. So someone during the new during this time said. Back then, she was telling people she had a terminal brain tumour, but we didn't believe it because someone with a terminal brain cancer isn't going to work at a call centre every day. No. Um, then the authors also interviewed... Well, the journalists interviewed her grandmother. She says that she didn't have much to do with her past her being very young. But they did regularly talk on the phone. Every now and again, she would send her five bucks to, in Perth so she could um, get herself a coffee in Fremantle and catch up with her new friends. Um, in on one phone call, she told her grandma that she was on a waiting list for a heart operation in Sydney with Dr. Charlie Toe, a well-known neurosurgeon. Um, and I don't think she understands the difference between a cardiologist and a um, neurosurgeon. Right. 
a cardiothoracic surgeon and a neurosurgeon, they're two different fields. Absolutely. I know there's less than 10 centimetres difference between those two oh, organs, yeah. I'm but I'm telling you they're two very different I'm surprised she didn't mention anything about seeing a paediatrician for her hair follicles. Imagine, telling, imagine me telling my grandmother, oh, by the way, I'm having heart surgery on Friday. By a... Don't worry, I'll do some... By, no, 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 by a neuro, neurosurgeon. And she'd be like, e- what? What? Yeah, and then <laughs> I'll be uh, doing some uh, rock climbing on Monday. She'll be right. So, it's now May 2009, and she finds this skateboarding forum. Um, and she, this is Tony the, Hawk this time. is the authors of the book, not my statement, regularly divulging a litany of catastrophic medical problems that she claimed to be suffering from. She said that she was being diagnosed, she was being treated for cancer, undoing major surgeries, described dying on the operating table, and we already spoke about the paddles, shocking her, oh, sorry, what were her words? Electrocuting her back to consciousness. Yes, right. for the um, so here's another statement that I couldn't find anywhere else. I woke up out of, out of a coma type thing. The doctor comes in and tells me that the draining failed and I went into cardiac arrest and died for just under three minutes. I had fluid in the pericardium, sac around the heart, that needed to be drained or else my heart would have stopped pumping blood and I would have died. I need to get a valve replaced, but I can't afford it yet. Also, have you heard of Medicare? <laughs> in this case, Medicare don't care. Um, and then this is what pisses me off. But then she's like, oh, I also had the Gardasil cervical cancer vaccine um, and I got a bad reaction from it. So all of a sudden I have blurred vision, slurred speech, and that's what caused me to have a stroke. What? Did she go through a fifth of scotch? So she went back to visit her friends in Brisbane and then she goes and she tells them that my brain cancer was caused by the vaccine. She shaved a patch of her hair off, but no one's found a scar. I think in this case, the only scar she had was when she watched The Lion King. <laughs> the scars are on the psyche of the poor boys who yeah. felt bad for her on that forum. And then 10 years later, yeah. were like, you done lied to me, sis. Yeah. Anyway. So apparently she was actually born in Launceston, Tasmania on the 8th of October, 1991. Her mother, um, Natalie Del Bello, is a divorcee from Melbourne. And then she settled in Adelaide. She married in 2012. Um... Natalie has described Belle's dad as a sperm donor. Um, she does have an older brother. She's also got half-siblings. She didn't inherit her father's name. She was born Annabelle Simile after her like her mother's maiden name. Um, but Natalie changed their surname by deed poll. Um, so they then eventually moved to the Wyndham suburb in Queensland somewhere. But they did move a lot. Uh, she is, she being Belle, is still to this day estranged from her family. She doesn't have long-term friends, but the one, the friends that she does have are quite brainwashed and loyal to her. Um, yeah. her, she actually does have a son, um, and his dad is really quiet. Um, Clive is very, he spoke out in the beginning, and he selected his words very carefully, but now he just doesn't really talk to the media. Um, so there's a lot of shit, um, and we're going to talk about her age thing for a bit again, because in her book, she says she was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer in June 2009, when she was 20, but records show that she was actually 17. Yeah, what she did get, you know, diagnosed with is talking mad shit. 
All right. You, while we're talking about man shit, you ready for this forum post? Drop it like it's hot. All right. Drop it. I had known for a while that something didn't feel right. Yeah. When I saw the doctor, he told me to ignore what I was experiencing and to trial antidepressants. I tried them, but they made no difference. So I went off them and went back to the doctor. I told him, I'm having trouble reading and seeing. Sometimes walking is hard and remembering has become difficult. All he said was, you work too hard, you're looking at a computer all day, and you're socially isolated. Let's get your eyes tested and start that medication I gave you again. At this point, I could have taken control of my life and got a second opinion. But instead of listening to my body and trusting my intuition, I put faith in one professional. I felt like I had hit a brick at work. Soon afterwards, I had a stroke at work. I will never forget sitting alone in the doctor's office three weeks later. And then that's where she was all about. Like, he told her that he had she had four months tops. Yeah. <coughs> so I think it's, um, you know. Um, she said that this um, Mark Johns worked at Peter Mac. And I can tell you that Peter Mac would not no. <laughs> employ someone like that. Mm-mm. Um, that's one of the most prestigious cancer research facilities globally. Ooh, yeah. Um, so that's not gonna, you know... Fly. Yeah. She said that he diagnosed her there and that he gave her Temadol, which is an oral chemotherapeutic drug. Um, this man doesn't exist. There's no record of him being employed by Peter Mack. He's not registered with the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, um, or anything like that. So she's diagnosed in Melbourne, and then she moves back to Perth. So she's diagnosed by this guy in her house, right? And she's like, oh, you know what? I should move to Melbourne to be closer to this guy, because he, he's right. in Melbourne. And he's my specialist. Yeah. But she calls her grandmother, and she's like, oh, I'm going to travel to Adelaide. So she goes to Adelaide and she finds that her mother and her new husband have already left. So she didn't know that her mum and her stepdad had moved. Um, so that's why she bounced to um, there, right? So we later find out that the reason why she was moving around so much and trying to find home is because she was pregnant at this time. This is when she was pregnant with her son, Ollie. Yeah. Um, and then so she takes some time away from the internet and then she resurfaces in early 2010 and she starts posting on a parenting forum called what to expect um, she made posts like I'm worried because I don't look like I'm showing I don't look like I'm pregnant and then she asked other pregnant mums to post pictures of their pregnant stomachs to show her and validate her Yep. And all that other shit. Um, she said that the baby's dad was Nathan Corbett. He's a tradies in his 20s from a town in New South. Um, they met because they have uh, mutual friends that lived in Perth when she lived there. Um, she'd been putting off the, getting the ultrasound to determine the gender of the baby until he had moved to Melbourne to be with her. And then on the 9th of March, she's approximately six months pregnant at this time. Yep. And she says that, we're having a boy. It's a boy. Again, all these forum posts have been deleted, but um, people have screenshots. 
And what they found is that her email address was the exact same one that she had previously used on other forums. Yeah, we rub screenshots. We rub them. Um, on this forum, she spoke about cancer, detoxing, chiropractic treatment. Um, she said that she had half a Panadol tablet and that um, affected her severely. Um, and she also posted that she wouldn't get into a warm bath after learning about chemicals you absorb from unfiltered water. Uh, she also right. shared intimate details about her finances, moving out of a share house, and deep disappointment to her friends, because apparently she was um, supposed to have a baby shower on the 20th of April, but they cancel- she cancelled it because no one had at that point made plans to um, fly down to Melbourne to celebrate her baby. Um, so she posts about this. I'm really quite upset. I can't do this nasally, please. Do it, do it. I'm really quite upset, even depressed, at seeing all of you girls organising your gorgeous showers. I'm happy for you all, and I really do hope I'm not raining down on your parades at all, smiley face. But it's a first-time young mother that has overcome a lot for this little man in me. I would love nothing more than to somewhat celebrate with my close friends, and even be supported in some way by them. Because at the moment... I'm walking part-time, going to a hospital at least once a week after hours at work, then travelling an hour home to cook and clean and try and fit some rest in. Sorry, I have to cough. (coughs) Oh, my God. He's like, I can't breathe. I know I sound like I'm struggling, but doing it all on your own, with all the medical dramas I've tried to fight before falling pregnant makes it so hard. I was looking forward to my shower so much. Oh my god, the pressure in my nostril cavity right now. The pressure in my brain. Oh, my sinuses. Um, and she's posting shit like, I hope I can just afford this little man. Um, people are joking about how he'll be sleeping in my dresser because I'm not usually financially strained, but it's seeming obviously that I'm underprepared. And then she ends up delivering Oliver Colbert, or Ollie, as everyone calls him, in July 2010. Um, her boyfriend ends up relocating to Melbourne and together they rent a unit in a motel-style block of apartments on Westbury Street in St Kilda East. Um, <coughs> so Nathan struggles to find work and he's like a stay-at-home dad until Ollie's about one. And then um, court docs showed that she uh, was working part-time at this point, about 10 hours a week. She helped manage a shop on Chapel Street. And then sometime in early 2012, they decided to split up. She still refers to him being Nathan, the baby's dad, as her best friend. Um, and it's evident that he still plays a big part in his son's life. Yeah. So Nathan moved out um, and Belle had one of her friends come down from Brisbane to stay down with her and essentially take over that half of the rent and whatnot. Um, and then that friend eventually leaves and so she and her son move to Caulfield North um, and they get themselves a simple two-bedroom unit in a 1960s-style block of flats. Uh, she rented this from a doctor and his barrister wife um, and this is the place she was in when she tried to... where she took over Instagram, where she made her app and had the ideas for her cookbook. So then we jump to 2012 Um Instagram's only been around for a little over a year. She decides that she was going to be one of the first people to become Insta-famous. Insta-famous! Yep. Um, she covers everything we've already spoken about. Yes. 
all the lies, all her posts. Apparently, her po- her feed was like trying and eroding different superfoods, living naturally, getting back to basics, um, copied and pasted inspirational quote, quote pictures from the internet, um, recipes for organic meals, healthy juices, juice, juices, juices. <laughs> Um, pictures, you know, like how you, we yeah. laugh. At, actually, I appreciate it, but you know how you're like, oh, why are people taking pictures of their food and stuff? Yeah. She did that. Josie's. She posted lemon tea served in beautiful china, uh, spreads of fruit and veg, artful shots of um, Ollie playing, selfies, great giving advice about um, how to treat various mental condi- conditions naturally, and at all the times she looked the picture of health. Um, so into a, f- a few months into the whole pantry Facebook account, that's where she says, you know, I've been healing naturally, and that's a post that I read out at the beginning when she just had seventy thousand followers. Um, her Instagram at this point had two hundred thousand followers, and then in early twenty thirteen she starts building her team. Right, she registers the business name, the whole pantry, on the sixteenth of April twenty thirteen. And then on the 17th of July, she registers the company Bell Gibson Propriety Limited. Um, and what really fucked her over is the fact that when she registered the place of work, it was her unit <laughs> that she lived in with her son. Ba-bow. Which um, is, this is on the record, and it's Unit 4, Inkerman Road, Caulfield North. Um, she gave her right date of birth when failing, filing the paperwork. So that discounts the fact that she's like, I didn't know which of my birth certificates was real. She opened two bank accounts for her business at ANZ on Auckland Street in St Kilda. And because she didn't have a driver's license yet, um, there's photocopies of her learner's permit that they attached to her file as documentation. Then she meets this guy, Clive Rothwell. He's originally from Adelaide. He's a little bit older. And... Uh, it's been speculated that she wanted him because he is a consultant in the IT department for RMIT Uni. Um, so they're saying that he took part in the creation of the whole pantry um, and he should have more of a role to answer for, but it's proven that he never had any legal control over the companies or their accounts. She's always been the director and sole shareholder of the company um, and she's been the only person in control of the social media accounts there. Um, The only paper trail between Clive and the business is evidence that he registered and paid for the domain for her website, which was the wholepantryapp.com. He put down her home address, his mobile number, and his personal Yahoo email account Uh. in when he registered the domain. And then allegedly she fell pregnant again, but this time it was to Clive. Um, a year before the app was launched, but unfortunately she miscarried at five months. Um, and then this is where she gets on Instagram and she says, um, the reason why I decided to open an Instagram is because I needed something, sorry, I need something to break the negative cycle and I realised there must be other people out there feeling just as unsupported as I was. So I started posting on Instagram. I wanted to share what I had learned about health and nutrition on my journey with cancer. 
I said right from the start that I was a brain cancer patient on a quest to heal myself naturally. I was totally overwhelmed by the immediate response to my first posts. My Instagram account got ridiculous, with hundreds of people contacting me, offering advice, and sharing their own stories. I was writing about what was really resonating with my community, and it still amazes me how we've all come together. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, oh, that hurts. That really just points oh. in this whole thing. Is the really... next door neighbor's dog feels the exact same way right yeah. now. <clears throat> I realised that I had tapped into this whole world of unsupported, unmotivated, uninspired people. And for anyone to feel like that just wasn't okay with me. I wanted to share what I had learnt on my journey with as many people as possible. So I decided to create the world's first health and wellness lifestyle app. I couldn't get the vision out of my head. As soon as I had the idea, I was passionately dedicated to making it happen as quickly as possible. I made sure I surrounded myself with the best team, and I funded it by drawing on old medical loans and credit cards, borrowing from friends, and asking people working with me in the early days to hold off on initial invoices. I expected it to take 18 months, but it was ready to launch after only seven by August 2013. If something is important enough to you, you find a way to make it happen. <laughs> what a load of shit. Like, it just gets funnier. Um, so she goes around saying that she's an app developer. She learned how to write code. But in reality, um, she conned two Swinburne Uni um, graduates to do it for her. Alex Benevento and Christopher Horner. Um, they freelanced for her. Chris developed the Android version and Alex built the iPhone app um, with a Melbourne designer named Zane David. Zane made contact within 48 hours after the first story broke in the edge to these two authors who wrote the book. Um, and he pretty much lifted the lid and said, look, I kind of suspected her of being a pathological liar and using a cancer story to con the public. Apparently they built the app for her at a fraction of the usual cost because she liked to use her illnesses to ask others for a discount. Um, and she wanted them to believe in her story and what she was doing in order to help her get, like, for them to help her get her message out to everyone else. And he says that he now realises that this was merely a start of her deception, using her illness for financial gain. Um, it is estimated by um, David Glance, who's the director of the software for, sorry, Centre for Software Practice at the University of Western Australia, that her app, with her high level of functionality, would have cost approximately $50,000. Um, apparently she was quite ungrateful for the amount that um, of hard work that they the guys had put in. Um, they would regularly email her about um, her lack of gratitude, and then she would come back saying, oh, sorry, my cancer makes me forget things. I forgot to say thank you. Oh. Um, uh, so... He says that, you know, she's one of the biggest manipulators I think I've ever met. Um, the other guy, Alex, ended up not responding to them, but he actually now works for Apple. Um, because it, when she went to Apple to promote the app, yeah. Alex went with her and Apple ended up picking up Alex. Oh. So apparently in um, over the course of a year, over... T- 24 transactions, she paid Alex about $25,000 from her business account. That's not so, a half of what it's estimated to be valued by yeah. a leader in that field. 
So on the 5th of August 2013, that's when the whole Pantry app went live. I never downloaded it myself, but apparently it contained more than 50 gluten-free, paleo, and vegan recipes. It was also a wellness and health lifestyle app. You could have, um, you could use recipe conversion tools, and there was a shopping list function. Um, but it wasn't just about food, but it was about combating stress, achieving wellness, and a healthy, wholesome lifestyle. Um, it took off overnight and earned the number one rating in the App Store in its debut month. And by the end of 2013, Apple named it their best food and drink app. And that it was the second best iPhone app in the world. Um, the whole pantry brand would earn her half a million dollars in less than two years. And for a starting business that's, at that time, that's phenomenal. Yeah, that's pretty damn decent. That's like Gymshark level. Yeah. That's to be like... honest with you making bank very very fast um and then one thing i realized well what i came to realize through reading this book is apparently the wellness tourism sector earns the world about 563 billion dollars annually and it grows at a rate of seven percent a year so all this stuff is really big and the advent of social media has profiled like all this pseudoscience yeah. pseudo health bullshit it's just propagated so much with the social media. So all these fad diets, you know, juice cleansers, miracle cures, all these um, snake oils and wellness warriors. Um, it literally, they have a platform now and Instagram doesn't do anything about it. It's just bullshit. And to these people, wellness for them means distrusting conventional proven evidence-based medicine um, and believing unproven treatments like extreme dieting, colonic irrigation, high, at times, toxic doses of vitamins and antioxidants. And these are all misleading, expensive, and they prov- like they give people false hope. Yeah. And they're encouraging vulnerable people to withdraw from treatments that could potentially be giving them the best chance of survival. Exactly. Um, and so the internet can be a scary place in that matter. But ultimately, two weeks after her app went live, um, an executive at Apple wrote to her personally, congratulated her on the app's meteoric success, flew to Melbourne, um, and in her book she said that he told me Apple had never seen an app launch in Australia the way that hers had. Um, so then they came up with a plan to... That's when the, um, the, the um, Apple Watch was going to come out, right? Yep. So the idea was that there was going to be a um, different version of the app that would... You know when you buy an iPhone and there's apps pre-installed? Yeah. The idea was if you bought an Apple Watch, her app would, would be leak. automatically installed Yeah. on that watch. And so she decides with... You can't get better backing than Apple. No, you can't. So she decides, you know what? I'm going to contact... Uh, the Penguin Publishing Group. Here we go. Because there's no better time to pitch a cookbook right now, is there? No. Now is the perfect now time. Now is it. Strike while the iron is hot. Yep. So it's the 18th of September, 2003. And she emails this lady called Nicole Abdi. And she goes on to talk about how you know much social presence she has, how well her app has done. Um, she's already been published, uh, sorry, approached by other publishing houses, but she really likes Penguin, um, so she wants to work with them. She was really big about talking about her cancer story, um, 
and how she had surpassed the expectations of her specialists and diagnosis because of her holistic living and new her nutritional approach. And then a few weeks later, she ends up having an um, appointment in the Penguin office, and they sat, uh, she sat down with this woman called Julie Gibbs, who at the time was the director of a now-defunct lifestyle imprint called Lantern. Yep. You can imagine why they are now defunct. Yeah. But we were going to get into that. And so, you know that massive book that was by Stephanie Alexander, and it, had the, it was a cookbook, and it was, like, huge, and yep. it had the stripy cover, that book? They published that. They published um, they Maggie Beer, Me, uh, Megan Morton, um, Kylie Kwong, Matt Moran. So any big Australian chef had a cookbook through yep. the Lantern Publishing House. It's a um, part of Penguin, right? Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. So this woman, Julie, um, if you were friends with her, you called her Jules, as in Diamond Jules. Jules. She was quite taken with Belle. Um, so after the meeting, Julie sends her a bottle of apple cider vinegar, which at the time it was a natural health tonic purported to be a cure-all. And she kept sending her gifts, um, bundles of books, messages on her birthday. Um, and she emailed her saying, I would love to work with you um, to make your very book, your first book the very best, most inspirational book it could be. I have been in publishing in the health and well-being genre for many years now. Your voice and brand has a unique essence about it, and we would love to undertake such, you know, a book, so on and so forth. Um, she said to Belle, and this is key, that the book needed to include a substantial introduction, telling the key points of her personal health odyssey, um, powerful benefits that she has had from eating and living the way she claimed that she shit. did. So right there to me is Penguin admitting fault. Yep, absolutely. Right? Um, so they end up sealing the deal. And Belle says, you know what, I'll deliver between 80 and 90 recipes with the help of a home economist that Penguin was going to fund for the low, low price of $15,000. Penguin was also going to front up 12500 for any photography she wanted to include. Um, so it all turned out to be a 250 health page and recipe book uh, with an emphasis on cutting out high allergen foods, gluten and sugar from the diet. It contained extra informative text about health and lifestyle tips and suggestions. She was paid $132,500 over three installments. After she signed on the 19th of November in 2013. Um, and as part of her contract, there was a clause that said the author was required to warrant that no part of the work would be a false representation or misleading or deceptive or likely to mislead or deceive. And she initialed that and signed as she did on every other page of the contract. Jeez. Apparently she and Jules had a massive, really deep... Um, professional relationship. A lot of people. Um, so, okay, here we go. You know how she was like, oh, I only made four hundred thousand dollars from both my book and my app. Yeah. Her first run of books alone sold forty two thousand copies. Holy shit! 
All right, so at 42000 and the recommended retail price of the book was $35, I did some quick math, and that equates to $1,575,000. And that's just in the first run of her book. That's some decent bank. Right? And she's saying she only made $400,000 of both her book and the app alone. Sorry, together. Whereas she made that on her book alone in the first year. So all I'm saying is I could be a forensic accountant. Yeah, you should. Anyway. Um, so apparently when the book was about to be released... Um, Penguin's UK publisher, Michael Joseph, and the American publishing house, Simon & Schuster, um, they wanted to release it in the Northern Hemisphere. Yep. And if questions had not been asked in the media about Gibson's story, her book would have been for sale there after, you know, in the middle of 2015. Yep. Um, so... Penguin was in the middle of a merger with Random House, which was at the time another massive um, publishing company in Australia. And because of that, and because of her fuck-up with Belle, um, Lantern was gutted and essentially gotten rid of. Yep. But that comes later. So, you know, she's awarded by Apple um, the Best New Aussie App, Best Food and Drink App, Runner-Up for App of the Year... Um, she was included as part of the editor's choice recommendation. Her app was translated into French, Spanish, Jap, and Chinese. Um, it was pre-installed on any display iPad in any Apple store. There was a lot of contact with her and senior Apple staff. Um, emails started with "Hello, darling one," or referred to her as "lovely" and "sweetest," and were always signed off with kisses. Um, so again, we spoke about how it was supposed to be on the smartwatch, but when they did the promotional thing about the Apple Watch, her logo was twice as big as any other logo on that promotional material. It was twice the size of Pinterest and twice the size of Nike. So, so they were hammering her. Hammering hard. Um, so she was there. Uh, it's a recorded interview, so you can actually find this, and... She's asked by a reporter, how is your health? She pauses, and then she's like, and she's thinking about what lies are being printed today. She's like, I, it's funny that I'm here. All of my friends and family said, Belle, you can't go. Six weeks ago, um, I, I was re-diagnosed with, with multiple cancers, and but I'm feeling on top of the world. And that's actually a very accurate rendition of what I was forced to watch. Yeah. And then, so, the app has done so well. The cookbook has done so well. She's best buds with Apple, and they're going to, you know, put her app on all the iPhone, all the, on the smartwatches. And then she's like, you know what, let's build it for iPhone and iPad. Yeah. Another app. Um... Cosmopolitan magazine nominates her for an award and they never took that award away from her. Um, And then so she, as a promotional thing because of the launch of her app, she said that there were going to be a massive launch party. She asked guests um, to support 
specific charities being asylum seekers, birthing kits for women in developing countries, school building in Sierra Leone, um, and also the family whose young son Joshua was actually diagnosed with the cancer that Belle claimed that she had. Yeah. Um, she asked guests to come to the night on the 6th of December 2013 with money in their pockets to donate. Um, she couldn't find a room big enough, so she started selling virtual tickets right. where the proceeds would go to um, the charities that I had just listed. Yeah. And she did that through Eventbrite. People could pay anywhere between $20 to $100 or they could name their price. Um, all the food that was there was made by her friends um, based on the recipes that were in her cookbook. Apparently she's very um, strategic in who her friends are and all that kind of thing. So the app money and the book money starts rolling in. Um, checks, royalties keep coming up. She buys a brand new BMW X3. She gets her teeth um, straightened. Uh, she starts dressing like she's a millionaireess, which she actually was. Um, her style is described as vogueish with a hint of hippie. She only shops at local green grocers. She ends up moving into a $1 million beachside townhouse that she rents for more than a thousand bucks a week off Old Elwood Esplanade. Her car was also rented at the low, low price of $1,187.62 a month. And every few weeks, she'd spend $350 at an Armadale hair salon. She always went away on location. Um, sometimes outside of Melbourne to the foothills of the Great Dividing Range and they would shoot images all the time. Um, she took cruises to the Pacific Islands. She decided she wanted to lose four kilos so she bought Kayla Itzenez's Bikini Body Bundle. I have a different bone to pick with Miss Kayla but that's a different story. She also starts working out with Lachlan Clark who's a massive um, high profile personal trainer in Australia. But this guy, I respect him. Because not only is he qualified, but he calls her out on her bullshit. And you can tell he's like a country Aussie bloke. Yep. He goes, I call a spade a spade. And I was incredibly blunt with her. Um, she was getting into the dangerous world of dictating advice to people. People were listening. But uh, she was someone who never grasped the fundamentals, had no idea what she was talking about. So he said to her, a lot of what you're claiming is fucking irresponsible. You can't say things like coconut oil hydrates connective tissue. It's bullshit. So apparently she became defensive and said, well, that's just your opinion. Right. So she's nominated for the Cosmopolitan Magazine Award, but then she wins it. And it's actually called the Fun Fearless Female Award in the social media category. She arrived late. Um, just as dessert was being served, she takes her seat and only sips the sparkling water because the food isn't good enough for her. Right. Um, okay. She gave a keynote speech and apparently it was really emotional. But we're talking about a room of really impressionable and influential Australian women and they ask her to give a keynote speech? Fuck off. Yeah, that's bullshit. Apparently she had the whole room crying. Um, everyone gave her a standing ovation. So then she's like, you know what, let's start releasing some more complimentary apps about family, um, other areas outside of our current health and lifestyle category um, that, you know, 
other users of our original app might be interested in. She starts um, pitching a second book that focuses on community um, and how uh, the life, the, the wellness pantry has helped people in the community and their families and whatnot, right? Um, and so on and so forth, but it's obvious she didn't get there. She looks for, a, for an assistant. Um, she looks for another office where she ends up signing a three-year, $70,000-a-year lease. Uh, she ended up getting a furniture proposal where she asked people to pitch high-end designers in an effort for her to essentially furnish her office for free. That's bullshit. Um, and then this is when the Royal Children's Hospital was doing their whole renovations and stuff. And then she, she was like, oh, let's do a kids app as well. Let's start planning for a kids app. Sick. Thankfully, none of these ever came out, right? It was yeah. just a one app, one cookbook. Not that I'm saying that that didn't make enough damage, but whatever. Um, and whatnot. <laughs> and then, so, the Royal Children's Hospital said that they were going to build their commercial precinct. And so, she wanted to be one of the people that was, like, uh, opening a kiosk there. <coughs> but we're talking about doctors who don't like people saying that Evidence-based medicine is bad, so they denied her application. Good on. Yep. Um. So look, this is probably taking a lot of time, and I'm really, really sorry. Do you want me just like to speed this? No, up? no, no. No, it's all good. Sorry. Uh, like, it's... a lot of stuff I wanted to say. Like, I feel yeah, like yeah, do it. No, because you need to. Because this, I feel what like she I did want was... to tell the whole because what she did was bullshit. Um, and then the authors of the book really went in saying like. Wellness gurus today are privileged white women, you know, who are media savvy. They're pretty. Um, some are yoga teachers, personal trainers, martial arts instructors, but none of them have any qualifications to give health advice. But yeah. they think that they can do that just because they have an Instagram account. Um, and, again, they just spread misinformation. Um Apparently, you know, she claimed that she never, in the 60 Minutes interview, she never gave any um, advice. Yep. And how she didn't want people to leave conventional medicine and take... Like, she wasn't giving advice. She was just telling people how she lived. Yeah. Well, that's a darn lie because the guys found old posts going like, Table salt is bad, but mineral-rich salts are incredibly good for you. I'm fucking sorry. Salt is salt. Salt is salt. Um, she would give advice about skin conditions and irritable bowel syndrome. She recommended probiotics, kombucha, and sauerkraut, along with cutting dairy, wheat, and sugar out entirely. Um, she held a pink smoothie in one photo and said that it would target a rash caused by her liver cancer, inflammation caused by flying, and would help boost her immunity and brain function. Right. So and then she posts... I gave up on conventional treatment when it was making my... Sorry. <clears throat> Who are you, Stephanie? I gave up on conventional treatment when it was making my cancer more aggressive. I started treating myself naturally. I've countless times helped others to do the same, along with leading them down natural therapy for everything from fertility, depression, bone damage, and other types of cancer. So what's your fucking story, you dumb bitch? She's just full of shit. She wants the attention. No, but she's lying. Constantly. And I want to point out for people who are like, oh, I need to go on a detox. I don't know. 
I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this, but I don't think you know what your liver and your kidneys are there for. No, she doesn't. She your body that. has evolved ways. Yeah, ways. Lots to, of to not get you sick. Well, I think at this point everyone's sick of the bullshit. If you want to be healthy, avoid processed foods and avoid excess kilojoules. That's all you got to do. So now we fast forward a little bit. And this this is emotionally heartbreaking to me because it involves her son and it's his fourth birthday. Alright? It's at her mansion house where she lives with Clyde. Clive. Um, and the little boy Joshua, who at this point was five, was also invited. And he was there with his dad. So it's 3.15pm. Everyone's getting ready to leave. And her eyes suddenly roll back into her head. Oh, really? Her legs buckle. And she hits the wall and slides down it slowly, almost to soften the impact. Then she starts shaking and then convulsing. It was so violent that the adults started crying. One guest pulled out their mobile phone, started to dial triple zero for an ambulance. Then the seizure stopped. Then someone said that another guest was like, oh, she doesn't like getting hospitals involved. There's no need for an ambulance. Um, she comes to and she wearily explains that, oh, this happens all the time and they shouldn't worry. And then she starts having a fit again and this on-off cycle went for 40 minutes. Right? And then she's like, people are stroking her forehead and she's like, oh, no, 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 it's okay now, it's all over. But the attention's there. She's got what she wants, all the attention. So the kids were there. They saw, like... It was obviously the first time this had ever happened because people now looking back remember the look on her son's face and he looked completely petrified and he thought it was real too. Yeah. Um, and then, so they all leave and then she updates her Facebook status and then, you know, he's like, this is the, wor this is the worst I've ever been with them and I'm taking this overwhelming situation as encouragement to breathe and some sort and sort some things out. For anyone who's been in a situation like this before, I would love to hear your management strategies whilst I send you love and strength in return. I have seizures often as a result of my brain cancer, but nothing ever this long or intense. Extremely grateful for my friends and family who were there to support me through this and my team who were looking for new answers. And all I want to say is So she fakes this episode and then no one ever brought up that she faked this episode. Ever. In 60 minutes or anything, right? So, that would have been scarring for her son. Oh, yeah. The alone. kids are literally terrified of it. They've, they've literally just seen something that has stayed with them and scarred them. Like, yeah, good work. What, and a, then what a bitch. She loves the attention it got her. So, just over two weeks later. She's done it again. And that's why she she's She makes a post to Instagram. And I'm not going to read it because it's literally... Trash. very long and annoying um and it's this is where she said and announced that to cancer had spread like to her, her spleen her uterus and her blood and so on and so her forth bank account. oh I'll tell you what near cancer and here's her yeah and then so um apple and the penguin publishers are like freaking out um uh jules who's her publisher uh, emails her whole team um, and copies and pastes the 
the chief executive of Penguin at the time says, you know, last night Belle posted this photo. Um, our book remains incredibly important to her and she's even talking about the next one. So, you know, we've got to get this shit of shoveling. So yep. she makes all this money. But And the question I have here is, so you're telling me this woman has put out a nap. Yep. Put out a cookbook because she said that she healed herself, but she's actively getting worse. And they keep throwing more money at her, but does nobody see the correlation that it's not working? Even if she did have cancer, she, it's not healing her. So why are they spend, sending you know more money on her if they know that it, if she was indeed sick, which they believed at the time, that she's not getting any better? Yeah. Right? Does that make sense? Um, and to this day, she's never reasoned any of this away. No, right? She doesn't, she doesn't want to. It just doesn't make sense to me. She's full of shit. And that's what really pisses me off. Um, and then so so on and so forth and then people start adding the shit together and finally people are questioning her cancer story people are finally asking questions and start posting comments you know asking how her story lacks important detail how if you actually have a cancer to the degree that she is saying she has you do not look like yourself. No. You are a completely different person. You are basically person just, you know... Wasting like, away. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and people are saying, you do not look like your health is deteriorating. If you're saying it's spreading everywhere, you're, you know, that's not how it works. Um, but, you know, and they're asking, how are you managing to outlive your doctor's prognosis? You know, are you not... What's next... What's your next treatment plan? Um, and then people went through who she was following on Instagram. She didn't follow any cancer organizations. She never called support to any cancer or brain research institute. She no. didn't even follow the organizations she claimed she was donating no. to. Because she just wanted info on how to perpetuate the uh, facade. It just doesn't make sense. And so one blogger was like, does Belle Gibson actually have cancer? Um, apparently her friends were also questioning that and they actually held an intervention um, about that. And there was this one girl who was going to get involved with her. They were going like, to um, have a, a, um, like a, a store that would sell like superfoods, yeah. like a little shop themselves. And so she was going to go in partnership with this other girl. Um, and so the account was like, oh, look, you know, before I advise my client being the person who was going to be a partner, do you yeah. want a partnership with you? Um, I'm going to need to have a look at your uh, financial records and so on and so forth. And then she's like, oh, that's going to be an issue. And the accountant asked her why. She's like, oh, because I've got several, you know, aliases and so on and so forth. And then the accountant's like, okay, so what's your overall goal? She's like, well, domination. And so... This person who was going to be her business partner ends up finding all this cancer spreading seizure bullshit yeah. on the internet instead of from her partner, like the person who wants to be her business partner. And so she starts distancing herself. And then it all fucking clicks for her because she's like, I would see her eat McDonald's. I would see her drink alcohol. I would see her pop diet pills like they were Tic Tacs. Yep. And then she's like, oh, my God. But no one wanted to take her down. Because how can you ask someone to prove that they have cancer? You exactly. can't do no, that. You can't. 
And imagine if she did actually have cancer and the whole world went after her. And they were like, we can't do that on the odd chance that we're incorrect. And then, so people fall into two categories. They either thought, no, she could not have possibly lied. Or they say her stories were so outlandish. There's no way that could have even possibly been true. Um, her assistant at the time that I spoke about, um, who actually had access to, you guessed her, her schedule and her timetable, was like, no, I never saw any medical treatment appointments or any medical treatment penciled in. She'd never go to the doctor. She never spoke about her illness. But she would go on social media and say, oh, look, I've been at the doctors all day, but I really wasn't there. And one day she, um, that was the day she was getting her veneers done. And her assistant was there with her. And she was like, how come she's making it sound like she went to a cancer clinic? But she hasn't. Instead of going to the dentist and I was right there with you and then in my head I'm like why are you asking the bigger questions like why is she saying she's going to doctors if she doesn't believe in doctors yeah that doesn't make sense and also um if you are so sick that you have blood cancer how is your dentist doing work on you exactly not that I'm saying anyone who has a cancer shouldn't get um dental checkups but also you um are very immunocompromised when you're on cancer medication and you guessed going to the dentist cuts up your gums a little bit oh yeah uh, i'll have to ask my dentist if that's the thing because i'm not a but dentist. what this person has done has literally but i don't think someone who's been recently diagnosed with blood cancer and is again on some but what do i know so her friends have this intervention um, there are two friends here, Chanel and Jared. Jared is like an owner of the Kinfolk Cafe in, um, there's a, apparently it's a really popular cafe in the city. Um, and they, uh, staff themselves with volunteers and asylum seekers and any profit they make goes to charity. So that's one of her friends at the time that yep. was there for the intervention. And Chanel, um, is about the same age as Belle, um, she was a former banking analyst, but she's now an entrepreneur. And so they go to her house really late this one night. Um, Belle's not really happy to see them. Um, they sit on the couch and then they're like, is there anything you need to tell us? Is there anything you've been untruthful about? Because if there is, that's okay. We're here to support you. We won't judge you. We just need to hear the truth. And she's like, what? What do you mean? And they're like, are you sick? Do you have cancer? And I was like, of course, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're like, well, show me any documentation. Yeah, show us the documentation. Show me something. And then she's like, oh, I don't have it here because it makes me feel negative if it's in the house. Yeah. Um, and they're like, okay, so who's your doctor? And she's like, Dr. Phil. Oh, my God. And then Chanel's like, are you fucking serious, Dr. Phil? She's like, yeah, Dr. Phil, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and then so Clive was upstairs, and so Chanel goes to Clyde, and she's like, I need you to tell me the truth about him, about her, sorry. Uh, apparently, he knew when they were together that she was really weird, that she was splashy. Um, but he never asked her questions about her cancer yep. which I don't understand how you can do but 
not even like a deceptive way, but be like, I want to support you. I want to go, you know, I want to be there to support you when you go to these appointments and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but apparently he didn't give a shit. And then sometime in the middle of 2014, his dad, Clive's dad, like her partner's dad, um, yep. ended up being diagnosed with cancer with actual only months to live. And then so Clive and Belle split up for a while. He packed up and he left and moved to suburban Adelaide to be with his parents. And then when he was actually living with someone with an actual malignant terminal cancer was when it all clicked for him, right? Yeah. And then so the funeral's held. And then within the first, he goes back to Melbourne. And he moves back in. And he goes back to being with Belle and goes back to being a stepdad to Ollie. Um, he never apparently said she doesn't have cancer, but he referred to it as a fucking joke. Apparently, he begged her to let him take her to her appointments. And she's like, I don't want you to come in, but you can drop me off. So he drops her off to the Alfred. He drives around the block and comes back. He sees her cross commercial road and she goes to the park. So... And she sits down on the park bench. Busted. Right? And he's like, this fucking bitch. And then in his head, he's like, maybe she's just suffering from a mental illness. Yeah. But he never tried to get her any help. Apparently on his deathbed, his dad said, Clive, I don't want you to get back with her. Um, people speculate why he is back with her. But a lot of people say that, look, I just, he said, apparently... I need to protect the little boy. The little boy being her son, Ollie. Um, so, look, there's a lot of back and forth and that kind of bullshit. When Penguin... Now, this is where shit hits the fan. Yeah. All right. This shit will really hit the fan. All right. So, um, a week before the book comes out, and might I tell you to find a do a lot of to find this. Apparently, Penguin hired an external PR firm, um, which is Safani uh, Communications, to provide a draft contingency communications document, also known as a crisis PR plan, in case she was ever accused of making up the story that had propelled her to stardom, because they were seeing the shit on the internet. Of people saying, I don't believe your lies. Are you actually suffering from cancer? You don't actually look sick. So on and so forth. Um, and so to do what she said she was doing is very one in a billion. Because cancer is very devastating. Extremely especially devastating. brain cancer. Um, and statistically, one in... A quarter of patients live past five years. The majority of them die within a year or so. So for her to do what she's doing, not look like she's on the edge, is completely... Incorrect. Based on all facets. 110%. So, the age, hears about these rumours. Um, and it's Chanel that contacts them. Ooh. Her friend. And the phone call went for over an hour. The girl, the woman wasn't angry. She wasn't acting out of malice. She was afraid of what would happen if she continued building her platform. Um, they asked her, what do you want? And she said, I just want to stop her. Um, 
she had already approached another reporter, but they just weren't having it. So, you know, she added up the whole doubts that she had, the seizure that she ended up thinking was fake. What happened to the inter the intervention and what Clive said to her? Um, and then so these guys start digging into Belle and they find out that her life was always vague. Um, she never spoke about specifics about family, friends, locations, hospital names, specialists, so on and so forth. So they buy a book because at that point it was still being printed. Um, and they went through everything. They went through her social media, looked at her online footprint. Um, and then so as they're doing this, she's privating and deleting posts. Really? So they're grabbing whatever they can. Because she's purging it. Yep. Um, and then they start approaching other, like, actual oncologists, some of the best oncologists in the country. And they're like, yeah, we thought it was bullshit, but we can't say that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, it doesn't add up, and that she was selling false hope. Her story sounds totally implausible, that one surgeon was very sceptical, so on and so forth. Um, <coughs> so... They call head office and the lawyers. <laughs> and the lawyers at the age say, you can't talk about her not having cancer. We're not going to put our name to the story. You're going to have to find another angle. So they're like, brilliant, let's talk about her fundraising and how that's all fallen through. And then so they went through and they added up her lies about the discrepancies about how much she said she was donating, so on and so forth. And they contacted all the charities some people said, no, we haven't got anything. Some people said, oh, I'll have a look. No, I have nothing under her name. Some people said, I can tell you with complete confidence that we've never received a donation from Belle Gibson. Um, one person said and um, that, unfortunately, despite a number of requests to follow up with the whole pantry to find out when we might receive our donation, we haven't received a time frame for its transfer or the donation itself. The Asylum Seeker Resource Centre... Um, had an entry of a thousand dollars that Clive put in under his name about a year earlier, and they said, No, we haven't received anything else, um, we're not holding our breath. And then, so they checked with the authorities, and neither Belle Gibson or her company are lawfully registered as fundraisers. Consumer Affairs then explained that people misrepresenting fundraising events would be in breach of criminal law. And that's the angle they could run with. And yeah. I actually drew a pile of shit, steam yeah. pile of shit with some flies. That's hits, an extreme... And I drew a fan. Yeah. Literally. In the book. On page 140, between the two paragraphs. That's a lot of shit. <laughs> so they called Clive, and apparently he was really calm, and he was cautious. And then, this is when Belle was flying to the funeral in the Sunshine Coast. And then, so they asked Clive, and he's like, you know, and they say, you know, you've told people she's in sick. Is that true? And he's like, well, not exactly. You know, he absolves himself of anything to do with the wellness pantry, so on and so forth. He says that he is her partner, that he has lived with her for several years. He says, my concern is Ollie. Um, that is my first and foremost concern, and so on and so forth. And then they call her, but her phone is off because she's there. Yep. Well, she's on her way there. Then they outline a massive email asking her everything from, like, can you outline what charities your company has donated to? Can you clarify your age? Um, 
you know, you said your cancer was stable, but then you say it's spread. Can you clarify what statements are true, what's false, um, what facilities were you diagnosed in? And they gave the time stamps and the city stamps, and they asked for her exact um, prognosis, her stage, the facility she claims to have received treatment from, current status, um, the name of all the doctors that she specified, and so on and so forth. Yeah, but it's all bullshit. <coughs> Literally all bullshit. Yeah. Just how she managed to get away with all this so, shit is just hilarious. They sent the email at 3.20 p.m. 3.30 p.m. She starts calling all the charities. Ten minutes. She calls the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. She spe speaks to the director at 15 minutes, apologises for the misunderstanding, promises to pay $20,000. 4.01 p.m. She transfers $1,000 to a second charity. And then at 1.16 uh, on the Friday morning, that was the day of Jess's service, she responds to their list of questions. Her replies are 1,500 words on. She says thanks for reaching out. Apparently she didn't answer anything correctly. She kept spruiking her charity work. Um, sacrifices that she's taken in her life to help others less fortunate. Um, said that everything was due to cash flow. Um, her company was running at a loss. That they had recently appointed external accountants who advised to put all donations up to a hold until everything's brought to date. Um, she said that her app launch only raised seven hundred and thirty dollars, um, and so on and so forth. So nothing add up. And then. Um, they sent her another email. And they outline all the questions again. And then she goes in and she's like, um, you know, what have you studied and so on and so Like, you know, she said that, you know, she used to claim that she studied web design and development and that she was a coder and shit like that. So they asked her all that shit. And then so she emails back saying, I made a funeral today of a close friend, um, so on and so forth. I've been very generous about the amount of personal information I've put into the public domain and have been hurt by that. I'm not willing to expand any further at this point. So the guys email the ages lawyers and say, look, we're going to steer clear of the health organisations. We're going to focus solely on the fundraising fraud. And then that's when she hit the fan. Yep. So you can find it. Um, the title of the article is called Inspirational Apps Developer Charity Money Missing. Then they publish that paper. Right? First, they get the people that talk mad shit All to the, the authors of the, right, saying, you just haters. Right? Then she puts a Facebook status that is literally four pages long that I'm not going to quote, but she's like, I appreciate your support. Thanks for supporting us as we find our footing again. A lot of new businesses have a lot of financial issues in the first little while. And she was in damage control. Her followers were all like, we understand the misunderstanding. Um, stuff the authors, they're all haters, um, they're trying to destroy a reputation of a young successful businesswoman. And then, overnight, the comments change. And they slung stinking piles of shit at her. Yeah. Um, one person, who I don't know who this person is, but they're a fucking genius, surely money pledged to flow direct to a charitable purpose through yours is completely irrelevant to cash flow. Absolutely. Um, appalling. Your organisation, not the media, money for charity doesn't go into clash flow. That is beyond ethical. Beyond. 
majorly beyond. That's for She all. sits at her computer until 2.30 that morning, replying to every single post. When people keep replying to her reply, she starts deleting the comments. And people are screenshotting things. And people are saying, um, why are you deleting my comments? So on and so forth. Then um, the age that morning at 10.30 a.m. gets an email from the whole pantry saying, um, request for urgent review of the published article. I'm writing to address some factual inaccuracies and erroneous inferences. In light of Belle taking the brunt of this and needing to put her well-being first in preparation for upcoming medical commitments. We put this forward on behalf of the company. Um, they laid out some responses and bullshit um, about their rebuttal to the article um, and so on and so forth. And then the editor-in-chief of The Age says, Dear The Whole Pantry, we believe that the content of the article is not erroneous and see no need for attraction. However, Nick and Bo, who are the journalists, are more than willing to discuss the points raised with Bell. Comments cast over, um, you know, we're not doing that. And then... Once, what I learnt is that it's a lot like saying allegedly. Yep. Once something is out on the internet, you can call it reportedly. Yes. Because it's not the reporter, the journalist making that claim. No. It already exists on the internet. Yes. So, for example, say that I said that I was an alien from the planet Mars. Yep. And then you posted to your social media saying... My dickhead housemate thinks she's an alien from the planet Mars. Yeah. The age can then read your status and go, this poor man living in Victoria says that he has to deal with a stupid roommate who thinks that her, you know, yeah. lineage comes from the planet Mars. Reportedly yeah. comes from the planet Mars. Yeah. As soon as you put that word reportedly in there, that opened up the floodgates for them that they could then talk about... Her lies about her cancer story. Mm -hmm. And then shit hit yes. the fan. And then she goes nuts. Then they approach massive, prominent neurosurgeons around the country. And some of them go on the record, some do not. But at the end of the day, everything hits the fucking... F she had already hit the fan. Now it's raining. It's pouring. <laughs> There's a slurry. Oh. And then so... I want to rewind you six months. Yeah. Right? And I need you to listen to this. This is Lantern, a.k.a. the subsidiary of Penguin Publishing House. Yep. Prepping Belle for some questions that she might receive during her promotional tour of her book. I no longer have cancer in my uterus. How do you take it? What is it exactly? Um... I don't know how I'm going to talk about this. I might have to do some reading on it. You feel like you're dying? Yeah, and I'm fine with that. And it's conflicting for a lot of people. Like, I don't think I'm going to die tomorrow, but my body is dying. We don't... Well, uh, is she part zombie? She'd go well in a short so, movie. So, this is six months before, again, she hits the fan. Um, apparently, she was very rattled after that. Yeah. Uh, she felt like she was being grilled, like it was an interrogation. It was one month before her book was going on sale and Penguin wanted to help prep her for the publicity and she had obliged. This was recorded at the publisher's head office. They had set up a video camera on a tripod. The person asking her the questions was Julie 
Jules, the public, like her editor. Um, they questioned her and probed holes in her story for about 90 minutes. They did it from a warm and friendly place, but the questions were still pointed. Um, and the, all, the journalists who wrote this book say, watching it back, it's difficult to understand why lingering questions about her story didn't derail the entire project. Um, apparently, Julie was warned about, you know, this is probably a bad idea. There's going to be holes in her story that journalists might probe. Um, yeah, probe with a sledgehammer. And then so... Essentially, Penguin Australia needs to be questioned about their whole part in her story. They apparently over like they had three plans of how they were going to deal with it, and they had a plan of you know first we're going to make this post, then we're going to make this post, then we're going to make a second post, slowly absolving us of all. Um, yeah. What's that word I'm looking for? Um, what is it? Um wrongdoing uh, yeah let's yeah. just say that like of yeah. any involvement yeah in the whole thing um so apparently when they had to le let her editor go they made her sign a confidentiality agreement and it was within a few months after her book like her shit hit the fan yeah um so apparently they even asked her you know like what kind of what primary school did you go to and she was like i don't feel comfortable talking about it and julie was like oh okay but you know they're gonna ask you all of this that's what i'm gonna ask you okay and she's like she being Belle is like yeah she's um, literally just faked everything pretty much and then so uh, it literally it's literally some of the most oh here it is all right so um, pretty much, <laughs> it, it starts hitting the news, and then the Penguin contacted their PR consultant group, one which is Sefiani uh, Communications that we spoke about earlier. So they were going to stagger their responses. So on one day, they're going to say, look, um, we contacted her. We're waiting for her to come back to us. We've got no further comment to make this time. Then the next day, they were going to post... Um, Sorry, what are we going here? We, sorry, the first person was going to be, we're concerned about the issues raised. Um, we have sought an explanation from Belle. We have no further comment to make at this time. Then 24 hours later, they were going to say, we've sought an explanation. Um, we've raised questions about her medical background. We're yet to receive a response. Um, we're considering our options regarding our commercial relationship with her and her company. And then the day after that, they were going to say that they were going to withdraw her book um, from sale and it was regrettable because they had not yet you know um, received any contact to her from her sorry um, but over at Apple no one literally gave a damn shit there was no talk about the corporate risk you know, <coughs> or crisis the day, management there's uh, you know money coming in so they don't care um, emails that were released were saying hope you're feeling a bit better today lady and so on and so forth, because you know she's best buds. Yeah. Um, then apparently Camilla Subthia, who's an Australian um, representative of Simon Schuster from the US, were like, you need to, you know, cut her loose now. Um, so they decided, yeah, maybe we should actually yeah. just do that. She go bye-bye. 
Um, so the UK um, office and the US office withdraw their launches immediately. Um, the Australian, well, Victorian actually consumer watchdog opens an investigation about her. Um, and they took her to the Federal Court of Australia. She ends up turning to a public relations person and whatnot. Um, then Apple decides, let's, they didn't even say anything. One day her, she was on the store and one day she wasn't there. It just went. Her app literally just disappeared. Just, bye-bye. And they don't talk about her anymore. It's like she never existed. It's just, she's erected forever. Um, the family of the little boy, Joshua, who actually had the cancer that Belle was claiming she had, um, spoke about in the book how when he wasn't dying, because he was, I don't want to say winning his battle, because it's not like you can win or lose cancer, but he was surviving. Yeah. And their friends and family were like, how come your son hasn't died yet? But wow. they're letting, but they're the same supporters for Belle. Who are just letting her do whatever the fuck she wants to do and make money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're talking about a family's actual heartbreak through something the young boy, of all people, was actually going through. And they're Whatever. It's terrible. And then um, she approaches 60 Minutes because she wants to confess, but she doesn't know how to. Um, apparently, they say she's not a super bright kid when she's talking to the, her PR firm. Um, he tells her, you know, she's like, can you give me any advice? And he says, tell, come clean, tell your story to the public, settle any debts and disappear somewhere like a country town. Change your name and disappear. That made her cry. And then her main concern was, do you think that there's any way of bringing back the business? And she, he's like, uh, no, you don't get it. You're done. You've lied, especially about having cancer. All you can do is stop the media coming after you. And once you tell your story, there's not going to be a lot left. He didn't want to put her on TV um, or radio because her story was too sloppy. Um, But then she kind of broke off from that because she decided that she was going to be on 60 Minutes because they, through Channel 9, um, and this was brought up in federal court when she had to explain all of her earnings, Channel 9 offered her $75,000 to be on an episode. He goes to me, it was a shit scam. Um, she's not smart enough. As soon as you scratched it, it fell apart. Yeah. Didn't so much as fall apart as just fucking imploded. Um, I also have a lot of questions about the doctors as well. Um, especially the ones that she actually had the scans with that claimed way, way back in 2009 that she didn't have anything. I get patient confidentiality, but in... Play, like in times like this, cases like this, I wish these people were able to release this information. Um, saying, like, imagine being the person, the neurologist who sat down with her for 40 minutes back in 2009, told her she didn't have MS. Um, that there was, you know, she wasn't even asking about a tumor, but there was no tumor there either. Yep. And then knowing that information and then watching her for the next five years try and make a multi million dollar business. On the back of a lie. I wish that person could have come out. Yeah, because she committed some major fraud. She did a lot of darn shit. Um, I, uh, I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of... Oh, okay. So, um, then it comes to, I guess... I'm sorry, I'm getting to the tail end here. I promise no, there's only 30 good. minutes left. So, the uh, journalists approach her mother, Natalie... 
And so this woman, you, you understand why Belle is so disjointed. Yeah. Um, the mother, within a two-minute conversation, is like, we're going to sue you because you brought our family name into disrepute. Um, but, oh, darling, I don't know. What would I wear if I spoke to you in an interview? I've got so much going on in my life. So the magazine sends a taxi to pick them up from their home to take them to the airport, and the cab's waiting outside their house for 40 minutes. And because they were so late getting into the cab, they missed the flight. And so they were sitting at the check-in desk in tears, and then they had to... They called the girl at the Virgin desk, because they were flying with Virgin at Adelaide Airport, and the girl's like, I'm sorry, I just don't know what to do. Like, Natalie's crying. Um, it's all a disaster. And the girl's like, I don't know what to do with them. And he's like, can you just look after them for 20 minutes while I work out what I'm going to do? So they shove her in a motel and they cleared out the mini bar. They ordered everything off the menu. Jeez. They went to fucking town. And it's like, it's the bill was as big as you could get for a restaurant in an airport motel. Holy shit. Um, they, they took them out to dinner at the opera bar at the Sydney Opera House. Um, the mo- Natalie, her mother, seemed to be from being vaguely threatening to being their best friend, long-lost aunt. She would slow her words, but that's obvious because she does, unfortunately, have MS. Yeah. Um, she spoke about the meds she needed to take. Um, they had asked her to, to bring a bunch of docs that related to Belle being like birth certificates, school reports, driver licenses, anything that would prove that she was Belle's mum. And... She, there was apparently no doubt after they went through all of that. Um, she said that her daughter was playing the victim card. She said her daughter was incapable of empathy. And then two months later, they do an interview with the Herald Sun. And they're like, you need to leave our daughter alone. Um, it was just a white lie. And Belle is allowed to tell porcupines who the hell doesn't tell a lie in their life. And then so they get on the phone with her again. And she's like... Um, and they say that every time you went on the phone with her, it was like opening a front door on a tornado. You hear the voice and you knew that you were in for a good half hour stream of consciousness. The more you heard, the more you learned, the more you started to wonder about the kind of childhood Belle had. Um, and then so the mum's like, she had everything she ever wanted. Um, I think it's the taste in life, this social media, especially the addiction. The addiction now with young men and women is that they've got too much champagne lifestyle. They want more and more as they get older. Um, apparently her mother herself um, does a lot of volunteer work and she uh, in- she mentors newly arrived refugees and cares for six non-English speaking Saudi Arabian children for up to 14 hours a day in her home free of charge. But again, there's no way to verify anything that either. But does that not sound familiar? Yep, very, very familiar. Um, apparently her family haven't read the book. Um, her son is also, like, off the rails. Um, they all admit that they're estranged. Um, they wanted the reporters to send them pictures of Belle's house in Northcote, uh, and pictures of Clive, and pictures of her son. They wanted to know if she was still in a relationship with Clive, how much older is Clive than Belle, is he the one behind it, all like a puppet man pulling the strings, when's her next court date? Does she have a lawyer? Um, are they going to make sure that she gets a lawyer? Why is the media out to get her? What has she done that's so wrong? 
And then she'd threaten them again and be like, and trust me to earn my trust. Believe me, that's pretty special. I think that you should talk to the accounting department because believe me, I want to see you go places as well. If you read the Women's Weekly, that was just a taste. I've got lots to tell you. So this woman literally just is money hungry too. She's uh, <sighs> off to La La Land. Sorry, um, I've got one more highlight point here. Um, so basically... Was I going with this? So <laughs> the it, it's just all over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Her lies was splattered everywhere. You can't like you can delete shit, but you can't resolve shit. No can't. So apparently every journalist that had spoken about the story got a text message um, saying that at twelve PM Minister Garrett was gonna doorstop on Bell Gibson. Um, which meant that they were about to start opening up. Uh, apparently, this uh, Jane Garrett, uh, Minister Garrett, she was just recently sworn into the newly elected Labor state government in 2015. She'd spent four years in politics on opposition benches. She was an industrial relations lawyer, and she had a massive reputation for fighting for the underdog, especially in discrimination cases, for women's rights and for work. Um, and she was very, she is very passionate about consumer rights and so on and so forth. So when Bell's story had hit the press, she was immediately disgusted by it. Um, and so she goes onto the podium and she's like, Miss Gibson made claims some time ago that she suffered a terminal illness, a cancer, and had undertaken a course of alternative remedies and developed her own diet. Consumer Affairs has filed in the federal court in its first set proceedings. We'll be seeking substantial penalties to ensure that this conduct is undertaken. Um, and that pretty much people selling snake oil should run from the hills um, and so on and so forth. And then so before they had announced the trial, they had already beefed up the powers of the state's health complaints watchdog, like I said earlier. Um, and when they were talking about the bill in Parliament, they actually brought Bill Gibson up as an example of who would be taken down um, if they ever came into the investigation and if that law ever needed to be actioned and so on and so forth. So basically under this code, no one is allowed to make claims to cure cancer or other terminal illnesses um, and so on and so forth. And then so, like you asked me earlier, why is she being charged civilly and not with a... Um, criminal fraud and apparently whilst criminal charges could have been laid it's understood that authorities favoured civil charges because that means that it could also hold pub the publishing house Penguin as well yeah um, so essentially they wanted her to be the the pinned person um, to you know you need one person to show everyone else that this isn't what you should do and so at the maximum, the current law says that it's $1.1 million for a company and $220,000 for an individual. But at this stage, her company was already in liquidation. They weren't selling anything. The app had already been taken down. She has no assets because she had already gotten rid of everything and everything was a loan anyway. So there's no way of recouping money from her. Their three claims were that she was diagnosed. She said that she was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer in 2009. That she said she had four months to live, and that she had taken and rejected conventional medicine in favour of embarking on a quest to, you know, cure herself naturally. Um, 
and then so you know they brought the case uh, the director of consumer affairs victoria and annabelle natalie gibson she was found guilty of misleading misleading and deceptive conduct um and on the allegations of charity fraud just uh, justice mortimer was the person um making the over, like, what's that word i'm looking for um was essentially going to nail down the hammer on her yeah and she said, look, um, you're essentially evoking sympathy in those who are vulnerable. And she said, Miss Gibson, you never believed your own story. You have a series of delusions about your own health conditions, and I'm not satisfied with the balance of probabilities that you actually have cancer. So her financial penalties were $1.1 million. Um, and then so she logged onto Snapchat and was like, she said, a black screen and the text tonight I pray and then so you know everything um, went shit big time pretty much Crashed and burned. they couldn't have gone any further and harder on her if they wanted because there was literally nothing else to kind of go with yep um, I suppose so, apparently, a couple of years ago, she was saying that she wanted to reinvent herself. Apparently, she's still active on Snapchat. I, to this time of publishing this podcast. Yeah. Haven't been able to find her account. Um, people say that she's posting comments on about de- uh, launching her own dating app. Yeah. Um, she accepts that the damage she's caused, how she broke people's trust, um, how she built her whole empire on lives... Lies, sorry. Um, Apparently, she says that she lives on Centrelink benefits and child support for her son, but that has not stopped her from taking trips to Bali because she wanted to take leave of a situation in Melbourne. Um, Apparently, Clive sent her 1,600 bucks to get her extended holiday. Yeah. She says in the court proceeding, she's like, oh, I don't know who gave me $1,600. To help me extend my stay. Uh, she apparently also went to East Africa. Um, which is a gift from Clive. Um, and apparently um, she doesn't know how she was able to withdraw $3,500 uh, last year in Oct- uh, you know, in the, the year that she was being yeah. uh, checked in October. And she wasn't blank. able to say why she used that money either. Um, she says that Clive's just a friend and he's happy to pay her a uh, share of 600 bucks a week rent. Right. Um, but we know better that they've been in a relationship for years. Her income, she tried to tell the courts in 2016, was $15,000. And for 2016, she says it was $20,000. But Consumer Affairs calculated that between the years 2017 and 19, she spent $90,000, um, 45 of which was discretionary spending. And thirteen thousand of which was spent on clothing, accessories, and makeup. Um, and you're going to ask me, Steph, what's discretionary spending? What's discretionary spending? I am so glad you asked. I know, but just Apparently, make sure you explain it with discretion. Um, let's be blunt. She's a okay. gambler. She's yeah. a massive fan of sports bet. She's invested in cryptocurrency, um, and she uses Afterpay a lot. <laughs> so what Busted. do you do? Um. When she was asked in court if she would cut back on her spending to pay off her fine, she's like, nah. Um, apparently, she worked for a gentleman's club to help organise their 
awards night. Radio. She was paid at the rate of 25 bucks an hour. Uh, she didn't disclose this information to the courts, but the owner of the club did, and she stepped forward with her books. Nothing ever came from it. Uh, she told courts that she wanted to pay the fine, but she was facing bankruptcy. She's no record of how much she owes Clive. Um, and I, you know, she told the court that, you know, she was happy to consider a payment plan. Um, her barrister that she fired conveniently the night after the ruling was handed down, that uh, he couldn't, she couldn't afford to keep coming back to court. So the court gave Consumer Affairs six months to push for her to be declared bankrupt or to see if they could get the funds another way. Yep. So in January of this year, the sheriff decided to raid her house and seized assets that she wasn't renting in order for the fine to be paid. Apparently they filed uh, in uh, for the warrant of seizure and sale in December of 2019, exactly six months after her court date, yep. um, where she tried to convince them that she was broke. And I'm sorry, but all I'm going to say is that broke people don't drive Skoda sedans. No, they don't. That are estimated to be about $28,000. Um, even if it is rented, she says she doesn't have the money to pay rent for a place to live with her son. Um, how's she renting a Skoda? Yes. But that's a different story. Um, including interest, her phone, her, her fine was has now grown. Uh, it was boosted to $400,000, right? And then they're like, she hasn't paid any of it, so interest has to accrue. Yeah. So now it's over $500,000. They say that they're committed, well, Consumer Affairs Victoria committed to making sure that um, she repays them back. And it's going to go to the people that she promised the money to. Most recently, she thinks she's from the home country, Ethiopia. She has suddenly converted to Islam. Okay. She um, And I would like to point out that I am in no way disrespecting the Australian Ethiopian committee, uh, community. Um, they actually denounced her. Yeah. So they had no idea who she is, that she is not part of them. Um, there's an actual video where she says her name is Sabontu now. Okay. Um, she has been involved, she says, in the Oromo community for four years and because she started as a volunteer. I think this was a gift, a blessing that was given to me by both your people, but also a blessing from our Lord, from Allah. Okay. Um, I see no difference between your struggle and the struggle I have fighting for the liberation of Oromo. Uh, the struggle is shared, it is lifted from you. And then she advised people campaigning for the Oromo people on how to go about their work. But the Australian Oromo Community Association President, uh, Tarek Grin-Chimdi, has rejected her claims that she is part of their group. We hadn't been aware of this woman. We do not know her backstory. Um, they, the group in Victoria, just found out about her shameful history. Um, and in the video, she's like, oh, back home in Ethiopia. And it's like, honey, yeah, what are you talking about? Honey, this is um, and she's like, our community discussed the current situation back home. We covered the history about their Prime Minister's position in Ethiopia. Right. So I'm so sorry that that was... She's There's like, a lot of fraud. Like, oh, I don't want to just tell a story and not cover important parts. But, but, like, all the bullshit she did. Why didn't she go to jail for the, what she did? She... Well, they're now saying that they want to pursue criminal... Negligence. Um, charges, but look, at the end of the day, like, I don't know. She did a lot of bad shit. She is doing a lot of bad shit. Um, 
first you're going to impact cancer patients and then a white woman is going to tell a place of minority how to go about rescuing their country. Not that I'm saying that they need to be rescued or anything like that. Um, but a white woman is going to go yeah. tell someone from a minority. She's just got these disillusions of grandeur. Yeah. And you can tell she wants to be the leader of something. Yeah. She wants to be a leader of some big movement. She wants to be a leader of a cult. You know what? Imagine if in 50 years when this podcast is still going, we're talking about the Bell Gibson or Sabontu, whatever the hell she wants to name herself, cult. Yeah. Shit. We don't know, I said. All right, that's all, that's all I have for you today. That's crazy. How long is this? Uh, we've currently got it sitting on three hours and 15 minutes. I'm so sorry. All good. So, uh, yeah. All right. Um... Do you have anything else you want to add? No, that's pretty much it. I'm so sorry. What no. do you think of all this, to be honest? She should be charged. She's ripped people off. Penguin should be charged too. Yeah. But they've made money from this, so it's all bullshit. Yeah, well, the woman who tried to make the company money, um, Jules, has yep. lost all... Imagine that, like... Imagine building... She... That woman was the one who wanted to have Lantern made. Yeah. And then she optioned Lantern out for... Um, Penguin and she would have actually published some good pieces like yeah. they did with the cookbook and stuff like that but instead she crashed and burned and all she's going to be known for now yeah. is letting Belle Gibson have a platform yep yeah. so for 35 bucks for 300 pages yep yeah. so essentially um, yeah Belle Gibson's got away with it she's literally got away with everything and now she looks like she's she lives in Northgate I know like they've posted pictures of her address like her number they posted what the outside of her house looks like um some people are good and they blur what her son looks like because personally i don't think her son has anything to do with that yeah her poor like her poor child yeah um some people post pictures of of ollie and don't blur him yeah um clive obviously has things to stand for because he's the one giving her money to do this regardless yep and how can someone who literally faked a seizure in front of her son still have Klaus. that and also custody of her son it's bullshit it just pisses like the more you talk about it the more shit pisses you off mm-hmm. you know what I mean nothing's right with the whole situation no it's bullshit it's all bullshit and, and we're never going to know how many people felt no. the bullshit and, and a lot of people I reckon yeah literally have you know suffered away. yeah but you know she doesn't care no and she thought she'd get away with it, oh, so she's she... from um, Ethiopia now. So yeah, her birth but, certificate is invalid. But see, the thing is, she's trying to get away with it by converting to Islam, which is absolutely that's fun. not. Imagine disreputing a whole religion. Exactly. Because you can't tell a good lie. Yep, that's all it is. Lie that your favorite color is blue. Yeah. Lie that you. I don't know. She, like that dress you bought for three thousand yeah. dollars. She wanted to be famous, and it didn't she work out the way didn't she wanted. Didn't work out. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Alrighty. Uh, if you want to leave us a topic, <laughs> I promise I'll try not to make it three hours. We have a topic request form that you can click in our description. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. You can email us at controllersandcatchers at gmail.com. He is full made of chicken. I am Steph Fafar. It's about to be 7 o'clock on a Monday night. I have a massive presentation I have to give tomorrow. My voice is going to be gone. Ethics. And also, just a, a quick... <laughs> I wouldn't even call this a plug, 
but this is me taking. Anyway, get to the point. I'm on, you know, <laughs> I'm on, you know, the attack mode. If this bitch is listening, happens to be listening. Oh, and um, everything I'm stating is a fact. Yes. Or my personal opinion. And published fact. This is open media, so anything can be and, taken as uh, conjecture. As too. an Australian, I have the right to free speech. Free speech. So uh, if you're listening to this, bitch, these are my opinions. As a qualified Australian scientist. Yes, and everything you have just literally spun. garbage disposaled and spun towards the uh, global population, fuck you. That's me telling you where you can shove your information. And you know, you know what? what? I, um, feel, I, I feel sorry for, for, your, son. for your son and for your for the family dude that you changed and everyone to you. you've dragged through the mud. Imagine poor Clive who's just like, this is the only way I can protect Ollie. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be like a real, you know? Kick in the pants. All dangerous. Right. That's it. Dangerous. That's it. We're done. So, yes, on that note. Uh, Hope you liked you. our first fraud case. Yes, fraud. Hope you enjoyed fraud. Not Freud. Maybe. I, maybe Freud. He's a bit of a creepy dude, but yeah. I like his... Yeah. He's the father of, um, what is it? Neuropsychology, dude. Yeah. Maybe this bitch should have read some of that. Actually, no, dude, that, that's bad. She doesn't understand. She's no. like, oh, I have to read about a therapy that I say that I have. But you just told everyone that you yeah. don't subscribe to conventional therapy. No. So why do you have to read about a therapy you're telling people you have? Maybe she, like, subscribed to Schrodinger's cat. You know, there you go. But I don't understand saying I've denounced conventional therapy, then going and lying that you have gone to a conventional doctor. Bullshit. To be diagnosed. She's rolling dice. Well, you know, when people... Oh, I don't know. She's it's, gone... The thing is, if she tried to get away with it today, being 2020, would she have been able to do that? Say no. that she did it 10 years later. Ten years later, no. So that she started to build her platform in two thousand and nineteen instead of two thousand and nine, she would be docked so hard. So hard, and honestly, because screenshotting wasn't as big no. then as it is now. Yeah. All right, so, that's it. I can't talk anymore. But yeah, no, yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. Um, feel free to uh, join in next week as we uh, give you another round of audio. Um, I'll try and make next week quick. It's all good. Um, just like my jokes. Um, so thank you very much. I'm Full Metal Chicken. I'm Steph And together we are controllers and couches. May the force be with ye and, and live long ye. and prosperous. Um, so, yeah. Done. Done. We are out. Out. Bye bye.